Hey guys, brand new podcast. As my wife will tell you, I'm depressed. <laughs> I didn't say that. No, I'm sick. I'm getting sick. And I'm partying too hard. Uh, yeah. So, so much for sober October. It was Bender November. I think it's December. Oh, it's December already? It's December 12th. Jesus. So, yeah. You could get like maybe halfway between October and November. That'd be awesome. I'm uh, not drinking tonight because I'm going to the store and to the improv and I'm hopping around doing spots tonight. Are you still? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. How are you able to swing that? I have no fucking idea. And an eighth grade choir concert? Boy, you have a full dance card. Mm-hmm. I do. I just got a text from Jeremiah asking me if I can do stand up on the spot, and I can't say no because it's the funniest show there is. What? What? It's in the belly room, so it's all at the store. I just the uh, hard part's going to be getting over to the improv. Uh, well, that's and, really smart. Excellent to book three shows and a choir concert when you're feeling sick. That sounds real bright. It's now five shows. It's even better. Doing five shows tonight. You're going to wear yourself out. Nah. Um. We don't really have any sponsors today. It's Leanne and I just chit-chatting. Well, we sponsor ourselves. Leanne has some merchandise she'd like to move. Yes, I'd love to sell some more hoodies and some more beanies. I'm waiting on those dang beanies. They're making them right now. Yeah. They should be here any day. Um, I'm obsessed with the TV show Dark. So uh, if you've watched Dark, hit me up. I've just watched the entire first season. I'm obsessed. That's why you're depressed. No. That's a dark show. You're just saying that based on the title. You don't know what no, it's about. No, I watched a little bit of it. You didn't watch any of it. The colors are very dark. It is. They need more flashlights. They do, show. right? It's dark. Yeah. Um, today's podcast is a great podcast. I think it's almost, I don't know how long it is. It's pretty long, but it's with Tripoli. And I love doing podcasts with Tripoli because um, he just has so much energy. He brings so much energy and so many new thoughts. And some of my podcasts, I think, are sort of like interview style about the person and then something like this with sam is just a hang like it's, conversational like. it's really conversational mm-hmm. we talked about he's got a new tour coming out oh, speaking of tours i'm on tour on the still shirtless tour uh spokane this weekend 14th. is this spokane or spokane no if you say it the way you say it you got to go dan 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 why spokane Oh, shut up. <laughs> no, it's Spokane. Um, the 14th, 15th, and 16th Spokane Comedy Club. And then, big push. Spend New Year's Eve with me, West Palm Beach. I am going to be at the West Palm Beach Improv, a.k.a. Stand Up Live. I think they changed the name, but they haven't changed the website. I don't know. Uh, the 29th, 30th, and 31st of this year. So... And that's the last tour dates I have for the entire year. So see me in West Palm Beach. Well, it's the last day of the year. It's all I'm going (laughs) to tour this year. Dork. And then I'm pushing really hard. Like I said, I'll be doing a lot of sets in the city coming up just so that uh, I'm getting ready for my special. And now I can say that I'm shooting a special. I can't say officially, but I can definitely elude that I'm shooting a special on the 23rd in Philadelphia at the Trocadero. All those shows are sold out. Yeah, totally. Um, They've been sold out for a while. Uh, Stress Factory in January, Tacoma Comedy Club in January, Helium Portland in January. I always like to do Helium Portland before I do my special because they're is a they're a high end comedy, highbrow comedy audience. Really? Yeah, they're really great comedy audience. Yeah, for some reason, and I, like we didn't start going, like comics didn't start going there until recently. 
Really? Yeah, Mark uh, Grossman. Why am I? Mark, uh, uh, the owner of Helium's, start open one in Portland. Because it's gloomy there. They need to laugh. Right? Maybe. Maybe there's not Stan a lot of Hope's, sunshine there. I don't mean their attitude is gloomy. Stanhope's theory is um, places that are beautiful don't need comedy clubs. Like Portland is actually beautiful. I was gonna say I thought no, Portland but it, it was is. Beautiful. It's you know it's gloomy. It's rainy. It's, it's that's what I mean. Yeah. Uh, the Wilbur. Uh, a few show. A few tickets left on the late show at the Wilbur. We have added a show on the third of February. Uh, that, so it's two shows at the Wilbur. Wait, when's the Trocadero? It would be literally 20 days after that on the 22nd, 23rd, 24th of February of February. Morty's comedy joint. I will be doing Barst. Uh, God damn it. My brain is not working. Um, I'll be doing the podcast you guys want me to do in Indy that week. Comedy Zone, Charlotte. Uh, the 15th, 16th and 17th. And those will be the dates right before my special. Charlotte. That'll be great. because I've never done Charlotte. That'll be really great. And then the Trocadero. Don't think that means I'm not touring more into 2019. We are touring hard in 2019. Well, this coming year is 2018. I want to put this out there and see what you think. Get your feedback. Um, hit me up on Twitter. I know that probably a lot of you stopped listening or skipped through this. But um, my buddy and I were thinking about doing a TV show like a podcast where we release a TV sh- show. What do you... what? Why would you put that idea out there in the world? I'm asking what they think. So it would be released monthly, though. Um, hit me up on Twitter or on whatever. L- email Leanne. Tell her what a great idea you think it is. Explain to Leanne why you like that idea. Email me at Bert at BertBertBert.com and just say, hey, Leanne, listen up. She doesn't like that idea. Leanne's old school. She wants me to sell it to a network. I think. No, that's not true. I, hmm. What? Nothing. Go ahead. I'm the depressed one. No, I'm not depressed. What are you? I'm confused. Because of Jair? What? Yeah. No. All right. Um, But this podcast is great. Sam Tripoli is doing a tour called the uh, Social Justice Warriors Tour. It's him, Florentine, uh, Brody Stevens, and Chad Zumach. Oh, boy. It's a fun fucking tour. Sounds like a handful. It's going to be. Well, I think Zumach's the only one that really drinks. Uh-huh. Sam's sober. Florentine will have a few beers, but he's not like out of control. I've been talking about drinking. You think just talking about funny? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a really funny fucking tour. Um, this podcast every- is great. We get into some conspiracy theories. We talk about the first time I went hunting, well, kind of hunting. Um, and, and he walks me through the dark days at the comedy store. I love Sam. And, you know, it's fun having... I've known Sam's one of the first, you know, Sam's one of the first people I ever met in LA in comedy. I was doing, I came out here and I was doing a thing for National Lampoons. Um, we're doing a, a taping and Tripoli walked up to me and he said, hey man, uh, my name's Sam. I think you're, me and my friends think you're really funny. And I was like, oh, thanks. He goes, are you going to do the co- touching the cop's face joke tonight? I said, I am. And he goes, oh, cool, cool. I was like, oh, awesome. And then I was like. You know, we were about to do a taping, and I was like, oh, that's really cool that he'd say that. And then he went up right before me, and he fucking destroyed. He used to have this bit. I, w- I wish I could find this bit. He used to have this bit about um, playing basketball against girls at the YMCA. 
Like he's like he's like talking about playing basketball against the brothers, and he's like it just sucks because every time you go fucking for a rebound, the fucking brothers are just all over you, and they fucking it's like you, you suck. And I I didn't want to do it anymore until a girl asked if she could play, and I was like, oh, bring that weak shit. She goes up for a rebound and I ring her bell. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, Triple is so fucking funny. I love him. So uh anything else, Leanne? Go to burberbird.com, get some merch, check out me out on tour, West Palm, this New Year's Eve. Anything else, baby doll? No, I think that's Oh, Leanne started her podcast uh this this beginning of this year. So uh why don't we talk about that forever? But it's gonna it's gonna really happen. Yeah. Leanne's just gonna be changing lives changing my life anyway yep so i love you guys with all my heart have a great great beginning of december enjoy the seasons what <laughs> it's december 12th in ju- middle of december mid december yeah <laughs> how did i miss the beginning of december i think you might have been inebriated where was i inebriated anyway enjoy the podcast ladies and gentlemen this week's podcast sam Tripoli. Shit you'd wear on stage. This holiday, Michael's makes All Sam, Sam's 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 you got a you got a guy now? Yeah. How are you, man? Sam Triple. Nice to meet you, man. I had to. I was I did it, dude. I was losing my fucking mind. We had to do that on Punch Drunk. We're not nearly that successful. Uh, are you in town uh December 19th? It's a Tuesday? Yeah, probably. You have any interest in doing a set at the yeah, store? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you're the man. Um, are we rolling? Yep. Awesome. Uh, oh, we talking about right before the, Oh, oh uh, Roots of Fight. Fucking love those guys. Can I ask you a career advice thing? Please. What am I doing wrong? <laughs> Sam, I, can I tell you? Someone said to me... Uh, Someone said to me, not that I'm doing anything right, but someone said to me the other day, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And I said, I haven't changed anything. Like, I, I mean, I, I, the only thing I've changed, the only thing I've changed in my career was getting away from Travel Channel. It was the only thing that I did where I was like, that was cognizant of going, I'm going to just focus just right. on stand up. But, 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 but even last night I was laying in bed and I was are like, are we recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Last night I was laying in bed going, I'm not doing enough stand up on, like on uh, at the store because uh, I just do one night a week because I'm on the road Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, I don't Saturday. think you have to. I know, but I said to myself, if I want this next special to be phenomenal, undeniable, um, then I should I should be obsessed with it. And I'm obsessed with it. Like I've booked out every week until the night we shoot it. Oh, you're going to shoot another one. Yeah, yeah. February. But, but I don't have a buyer, so I'm not doing anything right. Like, I don't have a buyer yet. I'm waiting for my managers and agents. Know. I think that you are fine, though. I don't know. I, I think Rogan doesn't do with a buyer. I think yeah, he, he just... Yeah, is, he does. Oh, he does? does? 100%. He definitely does. Segura definitely does. Um, Ari did not. But, like... I th- oh, I mean, let me rephrase that. I'm not going to speak for Joe. I don't fucking know. But I'm almost certain that Netflix would be like... I think hey, he knows like- that someone will buy it. Um, and I think you would know that as well. And, like, I'm about yeah. to shoot one. I have no clue if anyone will buy it. But yeah, I'm but, also like, I don't care. 
I want to, well then, but the budget is drastically different with a buyer versus not having a buyer. But what I was going back to saying is like, I don't know that I'm doing anything right. I just think that there's a, I think that once I, once I got away from Travel Channel, I had so much inspiration of like, I want to do things my way. I want to shoot my own little videos. Like I was just in the bathroom. I just spent 15 minutes on an Instagram post because, um, I wanted it to be funny. Yeah. You know, so I spent like 15 minutes working on an Instagram post and then, and then I shoot videos like, and I, and I like shooting videos to promote dates. Yeah, you're great at it. But no, but I, but I enjoy it. And then I, I like putting a little bit of production value into it and I like, and, I, and then I'm up there and I'm jogging this morning. Hungover. I, uh, no. No? Uh, no, I didn't drink last night. I, that was a big thing that Sober October did for me was that it got me away from drinking every okay, night. Okay, cool. I used to have a thing where I'd go to to bed at night or I get ready to go to bed or get ready to make dinner and I'd be like I need a cocktail right and I wouldn't say no to myself I'd just go sure have a cocktail that's a big thing too it's a really big thing is uh, just <laughs> discipline yeah and like tonight I got a dance with, that I'm going to with Georgia oh and, great and so uh, I'm not obviously I won't drink there unless any of the, some of the kids bring it then I'll hit it but <laughs> <laughs> they won't have any booze for the adults at the kids dance uh, I doubt it no and so uh, but yeah but like and then uh, but I don't think I'm doing it. Like, I don't think I'm doing anything different than I was doing it other than loving it. I do. I, you know, my whole thing is like, I love what I do. But what I hear, can I ask you something? I, I had a moment where I was looked at your career and I went, I'm doing it wrong. When you released that, spe- that, that, uh, that hour special uh, audio yeah. with all the words written over the, the cover, yeah. I was driving on the, I was driving on the five and I'm listening to it. And I'm laughing fucking hysterically going, I'm not doing anything right with my career. And so guys like you and Ari and Tom, who all stuck with the program while I was at Travel Channel, I just kept going, I got to get out of this. So interesting. We always, you know, something in recovery you learn is like, don't judge your insides by other people's outsides. I judge my failures and success by what other people are doing. And that's a totally wrong way. I mean, because I literally, my friends are the Mount Rushmore of comedy right now. You know, it's like you, Tom Segura, Bill Burr, Joe Rogan, Ari. I mean, the list goes on. People that I consider friends, some, you know, obviously closer than others, but consider friends. So I look at it, it's like the mountain. But then I, I look back and I'm like, oh, who's behind me? There's a lot of people behind me, you know. I just have crippling social anxiety, right? That me I can't too. deal with people. Like, I don't, I have a real problem with bothering people. Like, I feel like I bother people. So I never, like, I have friends of mine who just always be calling people like, hey, dude, put me in this, put me in this. Can I yeah. do this? I, that scares the fuck out of me. Dude, I don't do that at all. I, I, I uh, there are people I don't text. I let them text me first because I don't want to bother them. Bill Burr's perfect example. I don't, I won't even, I'll say hi to Burr and I just I walk love, out. I love I Bill. I know Bill very well. I know Bill very well. Like if, like, I've known Bill for probably uh, 18 years. So if I see Bill, we talk about stuff that has nothing to do with comedy, and we'll talk for an hour, and he'll come over to here, and we'll just have a cigar, and we'll sit for three hours, and just bullshit, just gossip, bullshit, talk about everything, but I, but I feel like once you pick up the phone and you hit up one of your friends that you see at work, or one of the, like, like Patrice O'Neill one time told me, he goes, uh, I said something, I was like, oh, so I'm so glad we're friends now, and he's like, we're not friends, we're just guys who work together. He's like friends, like 
call each other on the phone. You ever call me? And I was like, no. He's like, would you pick me up from the airport? And I was like, no. And he was like, yeah, we're not friends. We're just guys who work together who don't hate each other. We like each other. And well, that's he's so like, interesting. But that's but like that was the, been the, the the interesting thing with this last month is that uh, me, Tom, and Joe became closer friends because yes. of this challenge. That and, was great. And it was and but still like and, I, and I, like I'm I'm I'll text Joe. I'll text Joe out of the blue and I'll I'll text him until he replies. Yeah, I'll do which, that. I'll do that to Tom and Ari as well. But like, but with someone like Bill, I would never like Bobby Kelly. Bobby Kelly's a friend of mine. A friend of mine. If I see Bobby, I wouldn't be shocked that I went out to dinner and had dinner and bullshitted and had a cigar. But like, I don't. I try. I don't want to bother him. I know he's right, busy. You know. Right. Right. I I get that. Dude. I I have. I have crippling social anxiety. Uh, you know, it's like a big reason why I really enjoyed cocaine. Because yeah. Coke was like, do Coke. Suddenly, you're fucking a rap star. And, you know, you got business ideas and all that shit. So it would, like, drown out this thing in my head of just, like, you know, bothering people. I was, the, I, I mean, I go to birth. I, people invite me to parties. I don't get invited anymore because I never show up. And it's just because uh, I. I don't show up. I got invited to Donnell's birthday party tonight. Yeah. And I'm not showing up because Chappelle will be there. And I don't want to be around that. Like I like I was so I was in DC and You don't uh, want to be around that? Why? I don't want to be around Chappelle. Because there's nothing no good comes out of it. Like I if Oh uh, interesting. If, if he comes up and says hi to me, then I say hi and I feel compelled to talk, which I'll be drinking, and I know I'll talk, and I'll and, and then I'm gonna be the bothersome comic that he knows looks at him as like this fucking Mount Mount Rushmore of comedy. Oh, he and is. if I don't talk to him, then I go, God, I never, I didn't even run into him. <laughs> it's, so like what good comes out of it? And I find like, I, I struggle to get people to, nobody wants to talk about anything. Do you know what I do now? Cause I have such crippling social anxiety. I interview people now in general conversations. I just go, I go podcast that's mode. Not a, that's not a bad thing. I, and I'm like, tell me, and the people like to talk. Dude. That's how I get over my social anxiety is I just pretend I'm on a podcast and I just start interviewing people. But that's what I do with, I do that with Bill a lot. Like, cause you know, it's, it's one of the things that you, like you said, the, uh, the, the, what did you say? The heads of comedy, the Mount Rushmore, but, but that's, I think we all look at that at all as all our, to all our friends, like all my friends, all my friends, you included, are like guys that I look up to and I go, what they're doing, I want to be able to do it better. I want to do it their way. I want to do it. I, like you started the Tinfoil Podcast and I was like, man, what am I, why am I not doing another podcast? Like I, I've got the time. I should do, I have other interests. I should focus on another podcast too. I should double it up. We, I've actually been talking to Houston about it, about a single camera, no um, no script, just me podcast, like the Monday morning podcast, but like all of our friends. And so I think the, I think the thing that we're lucky about, but you also have to manage is that we can get advice from all these guys that are doing it a hundred percent. Right. Right. But the problem is how do you make sure that you get their advice, take their advice, measure their advice, and then make sure you're doing it right. Right. Cause like I remember Burr telling me one time, he's like, Oh, dude, you know you need you need a fucking tour bus. And I was like, yeah. He's like, dude, get a tour bus. One show, fucking pays for the tour bus. And then you put you bang you bang on like nine dates to the one show. You go see some college football games, dude. You two of your buddies. And I was like, fuck, this is a genius idea. So then I call my manager and I go, uh, hey, get me a tour bus. <laughs> and, she, and Judy was like, uh, just for the record, um, 
I think it would be cheaper for you to Uber to these cities from city to city. And I was like, what? She goes, you have any idea how much a tour bus costs? And I was like, no, nah, yeah, one show, bang it out. It's right. like, you don't make that much on one it's show. It's almost like uh, Brett Ernst back in the day giving me dating advice. <laughs> Right, and Brett would be like, "This is all you do." I'm like, "You're incredibly good looking." You know, you're but, a good looking. It's like Yao Ming giving you basketball advice. That's great when you're a seven foot six Asian guy. Yeah, how's that apply to the five eleven Armenian? They they said uh, they said, "Oh, what the? I, you just the 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 one the thing that confuses me about stuff is like is like I think Brett is fucking hilarious." But like, this is what I get hung up on. And by, and I probably shouldn't talk about this because I think people will probably find it slanderous and it's not slanderous because I think Brett's hilarious. I think Sebastian's hilarious, but like they both appeal the same demographic. Why hasn't Brett blown up so big enough? Um, I don't know, man. That's Brett's a-, a fucking murderer. He's a murderer and he's got a diff. He's got, and by the way, I'm not taking away from Sebastian, but they play to that same group. That same central, and they're friends. And I think Brett's work with Sebastian, correct? Yeah, I'll, dude, we all started together. Yeah, we like, all started together. Uh, I think Sebastian uh, appeals to a broader crowd, and I think the truth is, and I've said this to him, so I have no problem. Brett Ernst has some of the most insane stories yeah. of growing up that he doesn't talk about enough. Like, there's a guy knowing. Uh, uh, I'm going to say, because I say it to Josh Adam Myers is one of the funniest guys I know. And the shit that guy's been through, yeah, he, I don't see him doing it on stage. And maybe there's too much. This comes from a guy who talks about when he smoked crack with this guy and he tried to, he had to punch him in the face because he tried to suck his dick. You know, that yeah. might be too much truth. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But then I listened to fucking, you know, uh, what's his face back in the day talking about smoking crack and looking like a, a, a match, uh, Richard Pryor. So I don't know what the truth is. I, I think that Brett, Brett, Brett. First of all, who hits, who doesn't hit is is really weird because there is a level of luck to this. So much. All those people that say, like, it's all hard work. That's not fucking true. It's not. That's not true at all. Sebastian got picked up very early by Dice right out the gate, and he was touring very quickly. Did he really? Yeah, Sebastian was Sebastian from the start. He just had to master that. You know, Sebastian, Sebastian appeals to, like I, I remember watching his first special on showtime and just going oh it's sebastian and you know in your head you i think everyone listening probably does you just go oh uh showtime special I'm, I'm sure it's gonna be okay i mean i'm sure i probably won't love it but you know whatever it's a showtime special good, good for him and i started watching it and i was howling fucking laughing and i was like whoa he's a master uh, steve byrne told me that a long time ago he's like dude sebastian's fucking hilarious and i was like i slept on sebastian for a long time sebastian is a master he's been real i mean dude i used to watch him come to the comedy store in between his lunch breaks waiting tables yeah. Sebastian and I used to go on the road and we used to switch who headlined and what would happen was whoever went second halfway through their act the bottom would fall out because people would be so tired from laughing. Yeah. I've seen it happen when we went all and Sebastian we and I were great because we would go out and we would do something where this is before he met his wife way before this, but we would do something <laughs> where women would hit on us and we had a, just a gentleman's agreement where we let the cute one decide which one they were going to go hang out with. And the other yeah. one agreed to jump on the grenade and we did it all. <laughs> And we God. did it all the fucking time. Dude, you know what I was just thinking? 
Brett Ernst is still young enough that, but lived in an age, his crazy stories are from an age that people won't admit was around 15 years ago. Like when he had the, uh, he, when he was at school and they were knock a white kid out day. Cracker knockout day. Cracker knockout day. Like, you know, there are kids right now like that are going to comedy clubs that wouldn't believe that existed. They'd be like, hold on. When, when was there racism? Like it, you couldn't do that in Brooklyn. Yeah. In Brooklyn, they'd be like, what? Hold well, on. What were you saying? So you didn't like black people? Like there's the, the fucking things have changed so much. Did you see the fucking Steelers game last night? Yeah. I was appalled by the announcers apologizing for what was happening. God. It's like, dude, this is what we we're here for this. And by the way, perfect is a fuck. He ruined Antonio Brown's knee last year, ruined it. And, 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 and that's the way I was blown away by the John Gruden's fucking oh, like his his sensing it up. Uh, I, you know, man, ESPN. I have this weird thing with ESPN because I watch it all the time because it's sports. I love sports. I do sports yeah. podcast, punch drunk sports, and I love it. I love it. But ESPN destroyed the Big East. They destroyed the Big East Conference because they wanted to monopolize uh, college football. So they wanted to get the five conferences. So that's all they'd have to pay, and they wouldn't have to pay anybody else. They And it blew up in their face. Yeah. Uh, but, the, but they're into this social justice warrior shit that doesn't apply to the demographic that watches that, which is men. Men want... Men want Winners, who won, who lost, and we want to see the best compete. It's almost like they're trying to sub subtract competitiveness out of it. Dude, I am one of the most competitive people, not with, oddly enough, not with stand-up, but if there's a sport or if there's a physical challenge, I get extremely competitive. Like, I get, like, that's why I think these things with me and Tom are so much fun is because I genuinely am competitive. Like, I, I genuinely don't want to lose to Tom. When I, when we did the weight loss challenge, I talked to my therapist about having to shave my beard if i lost dude i went down you go to the therapist oh every, every week every hey dude i i, I have nothing it. against it i love it i feel like i need to for a uh, you don't both go to therapy my, no i need to i need to go for my mind and then i you know s sex addiction too which is kind of fucking crazy but don't we all have that i mean i'm a, a dude I, I we're not getting creepy on the podcast I, my sex life started way earlier than it should have by choice it wasn't a weird situation. it was just by choice and you know i've been kicking the can down the road so fucking long that it's just gotten weird you know wait, what i'm wait, saying wait. when did it start i mean i was sexually active in first grade and nothing creepy happened that i know of but i was full-on black belt and shit you know it's like <laughs> girls, i don't want to creep girl. anybody out but i was eating ass in first fucking grade <laughs> like like it was like natural are you gonna eat that Twinkie? I'll eat your ass if you can have. If I can do Twinkie, eating Teresa Gleason's asshole, man. Not even thinking twice about it. You really, know? the Gleason sisters, dude. They had a creepy French stepdad. Shit was probably weird, and then it just trickled down to the rest of the neighborhood, and it got fucking creepy. And there's some people who are gonna get weirded out by saying that, but I'm just saying that in context of like now I'm fucking. 38 40 years later shit's getting fucking weird you know what i'm saying i'm a weirdo and i i'm but i'm so wait how did the eating ass happen it's i don't know dude do you remember bill bill burr's bit about the first time he saw a porno and he's like i want to do that yeah sometimes you just do it and i just did it i don't know why i didn't know i just did it and you know I think I, I'm kind of like a pioneer of that shit. <laughs> I'm like the Rosa Parks of ass eating. I said, you know, 
today will be the day we take a stand. And so I was, did you have like a dry spell after first grade or did it? I mean, like uh, the, yeah, the actual like boning and stuff didn't happen until much later. But yeah, I mean, like I, dude, first of all, I'm Armenian and we're like crazy sex weirdos, dude. Armenian you know? was, Armenian is the, uh, is the, gen- the Armenian genocide. Yeah. Okay. The real one, the big one. What was the Armenian genocide? The Turks, the Turks came in and they uh, slaughtered us, a million of us. And which is so hilarious because, which isn't hilarious at all. I mean, the, there was the young Turks, you know, which is that, I, it's amazing that is allowed to fly. If you called some, the Young Turks, it's like the equivalent of having a TV show called the the Jolly the Jolly Nazis. You know, it's like the same fucking thing. Wait, that's uh, that's uh, uh, the guy. Who, he's a, he's an Armenian genocide no, denier. He, yeah, he denies that it was a genocide. He thinks it's just war. Wait, what was it, Young Turks is a news program with yeah, it's a, Anna Karsparian. Yeah, which and, is weird as she's on that. Yeah. Because you know? they're, they're pretty liberal, right? Well, now that's coming out that they've been funded by the Clinton Foundation, you know, allegedly. Oh, for so, real? Yeah. I mean, the, the Clinton Foundation had their fucking hands. We talk about this a lot on Tim Foyle Hat. It's a podcast I do with Ryan Davis. And I got to tell you, I fucking love it. I yeah. love doing that podcast. You know, I used to watch Rogan's podcast, you know, and I'd be like, man, this guy's working so smart and the numbers are huge. It lets you know that people want that. Yeah. And as much as I have punch drunk, we have this bet right now. Loser fucking has to shove out uh, a fucking frozen hot, hot dog, dog off his ass. All right. <laughs> I mean, it's win or go home, homeboy. You know, <laughs> there's this other side that I really fucking love, man. I love talking about it. It has brought weird energy from some people. Some people get really upset when you start talking what they say are conspiracies. They get very upset with it i mean i got in a physical confrontation for the first time in my 17 years at the comedy store with this one comedian i'm not gonna say his name that got fucking on me and started touching me and i i fucking was like not today homeboy you know so it's gotten weird but i love it I, and I'm, I'm amazed at how much the people listen to it love it it's called tinfoil hat with sam tripoli and we talk about all this crazy shit and the thing about conspiracies is this. It's usually an argument between somebody who's done research and somebody who's too busy to look into it. And they're having an emotional throw up. They're emotionally regurgitating what they've heard in sound bites and the stuff. And so it's, I just love it. And I'm now doing a little mini tour, me, crazy ass Eddie Bravo, uh, you know, and a couple other of these guys who are like, I'm going to do some stuff with Ron Placone from the Jimmy Dore show, yeah. which is a fucking fun thing. I love building brands, dude. I'm a brand. I've been doing it since I started. I've always booked my own shit. And that's another thing. Like I'm very independent. Sometimes I think I'm fucking up by not working in these other capacities, you know, with agents and managers and all this shit. But I just like doing my own things. And I love building brands. Tim Foil Hat, The Naughty Show, Punch Drunk, all these other things that I, I'm kind of working on. But Tim Foil Hat, it's like, it's a little start to this thing because there's a lot of, every day I go on Reddit, the the, the Tim Foil, uh, the, uh, the conspiracy subreddit grows and grows because and more people are just kind of over mainstream news. My girlfriend loves it. She loves it. Dude, I just listened to a podcast. I'll give a shout out to them. Who the fuck's that? Casey? Oh, Casey. Wait. Man, my fucking brain is fried. The happens, podcast. The po- I feel like the podcast is called... Oh, fuck. Come on. My Wi-Fi here sucks. There's a whole bunch of great ones out no, there. No, this one, this one is produced by The Rock. 
Okay. Oh, yeah. And it's like uh, what the real story is. Is that what the name of it is? Or uh, what really happened? Hang on, hang on. It's called, I got it right here. Oh, I was just playing it. I download. I haven't heard the new one yet. Because I, oh, I listened fuck. to it. Was What's like the a, name of it? Hold on, I'll find hold it. Hold on, because I got to find it. Cause it's, it's on Stitcher. I'll find it on Stitcher real quick. I just listened to the one on Jordan last night. I, like what the real story is? Dude, something like I got, that? oh, I got to fucking tell you guys. Don't, don't go anywhere. Hold don't on. Don't go. Stay. Stay what? with us. Please don't go. What really happened? Oh, yeah. What really happened? <laughs> You know what's so funny? I just went to what really happened, and he goes, no, thank you, Sam. Isn't that weird? What really happened with Andrew Jenks Entertainment, it's through the Rocks Production Company. Yes. So like, so I'm an, I'm an arrogant asshole. I, I don't say, you don't see that in me, but with like things like this, like when I see a post, like the Rocks like started a podcast, I'm like, and then I go, and the Rocks not on it, it's going to be horseshit. I'm like, you know what it is? Someone told The Rock, who's really busy, yo, podcasts are popping, bro. Let's get a podcast going. Your boy's got to want to do a podcast. And and The Rock's too busy to do it. And he's like, cool. But then I... I've heard nothing but nice things about that guy. No, no, no. I'm not shitting on The Rock, but I just know he's got a corporation. He's got a corporation. And I look at things and I go, like, like, nothing against Kevin Hart. Nothing against Kevin Hart. But when he did the Laugh Out Loud Network, I didn't didn't really... None of it. It just seemed like a lot of stuff that... Seem like great example. Snoop Dogg. He literally puts his name on everything. Yeah, I and whatever that's hits hits. Yeah, and, and that's what and that's what I thought it was. Like the Laugh Out Loud Network. I've seen some of the videos. They're not fantastic. It seems like a like just trying to put out content for me. Yeah. I, if I was Kevin Hart, I would have done it very, very, very differently. I would have I would have done specials and I would have competed with Netflix and I would have done all my Someone's specials. Someone's gonna on, do that, and I think it's gonna be all things comedy that competes I, with that. Right. Well, we need Burr to start with him first, and then if Burr does it, I'll do it. I don't know if we'll ever get Tom to do it. Tom's so big on Netflix. They've been like a fucking, they've been like a huge. Anyway, my point is I, I look at, I hear this. I'm on that walk and I go, you know what? Cause I'm, I, I'm a big fan of the rocks. I'm a big, like, by the way, everyone post this right now. I will fly to wherever he is to do a podcast with him tomorrow. If he wants to do a podcast, I will fly to him. If he can give me a little bit over an hour, I will fly to him. I will work out with him. I will do whatever the fuck he oh, wants me to do. Great. I will fuck. That's that's how much I love The Rock. I think he's just a great guy. But so I go, it's The Rock. I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to let's see if it flies. And and uh, it's it, it's a little bit. The, this well, I don't know if it's all about conspiracies, but it's a little conspiracy. Yeah. This one was about why did Jordan take off from basketball for two, oh, two years? Oh, dude, we did an episode on it. Did he fucking... Did he get banned from the NBA? Yeah, dude. And there's some no shit question they asked. They saw what happened to Pete Rose, and they said if this happens to Jordan, it will ruin the game. It will ruin the game. He says something in his press conference that I think is very telling. He if says David Stern if, will have me back, and and they cut to Phil Jackson, who's grinning. Gr- Phil Jackson's grinning when they said. By the way, we are simply regurgitating what we heard on this podcast. So if you really want to listen to the podcast, it's called "What Really Happened." With or go Andrew to Tinfoil Hat. We talk about it as well. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's but I was fascinated and I was like, and then the next one was uh, it's all about Winston Churchill, who is a massive inspiration of mine because number one, drank and smoked all day long. That's all he did. He partied and got down. Most ran. people do that. This is a new thing about being super healthy. It, it You know what it is? It, it, Leanne, uh, we have not figured this out, but Leanne is. Um, we had to, we had this uh, cultural uh, behavioral assessor in. I don't want to get off topic, but we had this behavioral assessor in who pretty much broke down Leanne's life and said, "You put everyone first, and you put yourself second, and you're going to look back one day and regret your life." And 
it fucking broke her. She's like, she yesterday we go into like we get done the podcast and we're like, I was like, hey, you want to fool around? And she was wearing this weird, really like showy top, and I was like, and I was like flirting with her, and she was like, I really want to talk to you about what Jair said to me. By the way, it's like two weeks out, and she just starts crying, and I'm like, okay. Oh man. But but anyway, I love a good conspiracy. Like, because I'm a conspiracy guy. Because I think you're right. I think a lot of the people think um, either A, uh, oh, that, they're fucking crazy. The, the tower's falling. I never even researched it. I never even researched it. I just saw all the conspiracies on 9-11 and was like, whatever. I can't be true. Have you heard of Building 6? Everyone says that. You know, all I've heard of, Sam, is Building 6. That's all I've heard is Building No, you've building heard Building 6. 7. Have you heard Building 6? No. I, you're right. All I've heard is Building 7. <laughs> What's building building six? 6 is the one nobody talks about. What's Building 6? Okay. Building 6, dude. Five buildings went down on 9-11. Okay. Okay. okay let's slow this down. I know of two. You know of four. I know of two. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. That, <laughs> not, not that went down that were hit. I once again, I only know of two. You, well, you know the two towers. Right? I know the two towers. That's you it. know the Pentagon. Right? Okay, yeah, the Pentagon. The Pentagon yes, was yeah. hit by a plane. Okay, yeah. air quote, air quote. <laughs> then you have Building Seven, which is the one where it, it looks like it's imploding on itself, but they say it's from heat, whatever. The one they never talk about. And I talked about this on. Um, it was so interesting because I talked about this on Segura's podcast briefly and I got started getting murdered by everybody because I go, oh, and then, then there's building six and everybody thinks because I fuck people's names up all the time that I mistakenly said well, I met building seven and no, it's building six and building six is this building nobody talks about that. Is literally, dude, if you look at pictures of it, the whole middle is just hollowed out. The whole sides are still up. And it's eight floors down. They fucking nailed this motherfucker. It's right here, dude. Building six. Now you're like, why is that important? Well, five buildings were hit on 9-11. Two of them, the towers. The other three buildings, they all involved accounting. All of them involved accounting. The part of the the white the Pentagon they hit was the accounting office of the Pentagon of the fu- of the Pentagon. The the um the building seven was the accounting of the CIA, the FBI, and the Secret Service. Now building seven, nobody talks about had the offices of the El Dorado task force that nobody ever talks about and this task force was 55 government agencies had pulled together money and resources to investigate money laundering within the government and other agencies they hit that motherfucker the day after Donald Rumsfeld talks about how uh, the Pentagon can't account for $6.7 trillion. And this is what Donald Rumsfeld says word for word. I want to, at- you guys must be thinking, I want to attack the Pentagon and free it. Now, you just hit three motherfucking accounting offices. And what... Hey, you kind of, in a weird way, after 9-11, what happened? We're in this country, we're in this country, we're in this country, we're in this country. 
Sounds like you freed the Pentagon, dog. Now it's fucking everywhere. So it's interesting shit. But see, when I get, see what happens is here, Moshe Kasher came up to me one day and he goes, Sam, what percentage of conspiracies do you believe in? Five? I go, well, you're kind of like doing a disservice to the whole thing by clumping it. There are levels to this shit, and we kind of think about it in in martial arts belts terms. There's okay. some white belts, and then we got some triple fucking black belt shit. White belt stuff starts with the original conspiracy, or the biggest one that kind of pops, which is who shot JFK. Okay. And I always ask people that. Where are you on that? What do you think? Um, I, I think, personally, I think it was the mafia. Oh, the mafia okay so there now you believe there's a there's a group conspiring to pull something off to achieve a goal that is yeah, what a, technically yeah, a conspiracy is 100%. that's a great place to start from there i can start getting into a couple other things with you if i go what do you think of jfk and you go oswald did it there's no real point in going anywhere from there because if you don't believe this which there's ample evidence over the 50 years since it's happened okay i don't believe oswald did it okay i don't believe Good. oswald did it I, th- I believe that there were other gunmen I, I just think it's too hard of a shot yes i think there were other gunmen and i i, I sat one night uh, drunk as fuck with Bobby Kelly watching the Zapruder film. This is like fucking 15 years ago. Have you ever seen the Babushka lady in the Zapruder film? I don't remember. I was 15 years ago. Oh, dude. But what's the Babushka lady? There's a lady why everything is fucking happening. Everybody's ducked down. You see her just standing there staring, right? And then when everybody's running, she's just walking off. Really? And it's cr- we did a whole thing on that. What, you remember in the Superman movie how there was those three beings from where he's from? Yeah. And the one, the big guy in the middle, I forget what he was on my podcast. And his what? dad was fucking one of the heads of the Chicago mob family. And he came on and told me that he actually think that, that JFK's dad had something to do with it and that he sacrificed his son because his son had all these well, crazy... I, be- I believe in that. that. Not to go back to the fucking the Jordan thing, but the Michael Jordan, they say his dad was killed because he owed money. He never paid up his bets. Which and is he- so weird because he had so much Dude, money. I owe this kid 200 bucks for a bet I lost and I'm still not paying him and the kid the other day goes why aren't why don't you just give me the 200 bucks and part of me goes because it's still 200 bucks to me it's not like I, I know I have more money than you have but it's still 200 bucks yeah I get and it. I don't believe that I lost the bet like I don't believe I lost the bet <laughs> I have I'm now making some money based on all this project I have and it's not nearly even close to fuck you money yeah but I, I'm okay, here here I just go it's it's I don't have fuck you money by not even close. If you looked at my bank account, you'd be like, oh, uh, but it's just, I've like, got fill you up money. It's, it's, well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not have to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it's like, I used to be like, oh man, if I spend this, then that fuck am I not? Now it's like, yeah, I just get it. Just, yeah. I want to, I want a lobster roll from Sushi Roku. I'm going to go get a fucking $40 Sushi Roku fucking thing yeah. and not be like, ah, oh, penny, penny. It just frees you up a little bit. Yeah, it's nice to, it's it's nice. But Jordan was making, like, even back then, he was making money that would be shocking today. Yeah. Like, he was an enter. he made Nike. He basically made Nike what it is today. Oh, a hundred percent. There's the, I saw the 130 for 30, or no, maybe it's a. Maybe it's a book that's out about the the guy who fucking changed. Oh no, it was a thirty for thirty about the guy who changed Nike. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Sonny Valerio or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was really fucking fascinating. Oh, those thirty for thirties are great, dude. 
I love, I, I, I like a good conspiracy, but I've got to be attached to it. And I love when you find other conspiracies that like when, like the whole thing about the, 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 Government, United States government introducing crack cocaine to the or cocaine to the um, oh, projects. Oh, 100%. They 100% did that. Now here's a crazy thing. That was to destroy the black community. Yeah. I think this heroin epidemic is them doing it again and now they're going after poor and middle class white guys. But why? What's the purpose? Um, uh, to get, the, get you fucking sick all the time, throw you in jail for privatized prisons and dude, destabilize the family unit. That's what they do with the black community. And it's systematic, dude. Okay. Yeah. Obviously it's over a longer thing and it's wrong when it happened to the black community, but you take away their business opportunities. You demonize them in the media. You yeah. take away their business opportunities. You flood the market there their area with drugs arrest all the dads and then you arrest all the dads you pull the dads out of the family unit and now it's just you're raising chaos but do you think do you really think that there is i can't imagine there's someone that i can't imagine being in a meeting and go hey what are we meeting about today and the guy's like uh i don't know it's something about the african-american community bill will be in here in a second and you're in the cia and they come in they're like hey guys uh so first up up your syllabi uh we're gonna have uh, we're gonna we're gonna destroy the african-american community and not one person would be like ah you think that's a like i don't know if well we dude if you go ah you wouldn't even be allowed in that meeting you're way beyond that dude really? that meeting is like you've shown that you play ball but what was their purpose because they did, they literally did introduce cocaine into the yes. black community. And then the bill but in 1994, their- the crime bill that Bill Clinton passed, created made uh, like a nugget of crack the same. Uh, you, know, you could have a helicopter worth of cocaine, yeah. a huge amount of cocaine, and that was the same penalty as a nugget of crack. That was done to systematically lock up the black community. They got that documentary. God, I, I'm, I, I had apologize. Rick Ross on my, po- on my podcast. You had Rick Ross on? Yeah, the guy who introduced, the, who was the guy who was running. He was saying he was making a million dollars a day selling crack. He had houses, I think, filled with money. I hate that. I hate, I apologize if you're listening to the podcast and you think we're jumping all around because, but and you have to have watched the same shit Sam and I have watched. So we're giving you a lot of cool things to watch, like listen to that podcast, listen to Sam's podcast, um, the thirty for thirty about the Nike shoes. Rick Ross, but Joe had Rick Ross on a long time ago. It was a really great podcast too because Rick Ross hates the rapper Rick Ross. Oh, sued him. Yeah, yeah, sued him, and probably should have won. Probably. It's amazing how you can just get away with. Uh, creating a persona like that and no one calls you like no one calls you, you know what it. I don't get is how is these are these cover bands that do huge shows in Vegas not getting sued like you're literally making money off of my my artwork yeah imagine if like you went there and the the, the Burt Chrysler fucking comic <laughs> is playing the fucking Sands and just doing all your material. By the way, I would love... Uh, hey, listen. If you're a fan and you think you're a really talented comic but you're not good at writing, okay... I'm going to create a burnt, call me, we're going to create a burnt Chrysler character and you can go out and tour and I'll promote your tour dates. You have to do my material and we split the door. Dude, that's going to happen. I would love that. Look at the Gallagher brothers. Yeah, I would love that. He was so busy. He let his twin brother do it. And then when the market fell, he's like, you can't do it anymore. He's like, fuck you, dog. 
I'm the real one. And he's like, what? And then they argued on who I would, the real. I would love it. I would love to create a burnt Chrysler parody act of me. Who just like goes up, takes his shirt off, drinks a beer, burps, and he's like, uh, wow, man, I'm a fat fuck. <laughs> and, and like for the, all the Zagura fans, and they just go out and see. Maybe that's a horrible idea. Well, uh, he'll probably <laughs> open for you. Yeah, Burnt Chrysler. Opening oh. up for Tom Segura. That guy would make so much fucking money. Now you just create a fuck. Now you're that like. That guy dude. would fucking destroy. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if. And then it becomes like Steel Panther where it started out as a joke and then it morphs into some real ass shit. And then you're like, dude, what are you doing? He would, he would, he would very quickly be able to, by the way, I should copyright burnt Chrysler. I feel like you're Spider-Man and this guy would be Venom. By the way, if you don't, if you, if you try to take this idea and do it yourself, I'll just fucking simply destroy you. Okay. <laughs> no, so just, this so don't, so yeah, don't, yeah, this is, don't, don't think you got to green light this with me and Segura <gasps> at first. You can't just go out and be burnt Chrysler. All these parody accounts of guys being burnt Chrysler. But because uh, you have to have our blessing because Segura created the burnt Chrysler brand. You got to get a percentage of that homeboy. Oh, An artist. You know fee. how much fucking money that you know if if this guy ladies and gentlemen uh you the man you came to see tonight tom segura but first put your hands together for burnt chrysler and it was just a guy fucking like 400 pounds and he just came out and he was like uh uh my wife leanne and he just did a parody of my i got involved with the russian mafia and he just told the machine story uh fucking i think it'd be funny but don't do it without our blessings. I'll fucking destroy you. In the naughty show, we used to do something called Sticky Fingers Gonzalez. Yeah. And it was based on like Carlos Mencia. Sticky and basically, he, I'd have Jason Tebow dressed up like a parody of a, a stereotype of a, of, a, of a Mexican, right? Yeah. And he was sombrero and poncho and all that shit. And then he would like bump in the middle of the shows and he would just be reading off jokes that oh. comics did earlier in the fucking show. But he would do like really bad versions of them and it was like i'd be like dude you can't do that shit why, yeah why i mean why doesn't why isn't there i mean i i, I know that this is um, we're just talking so please don't hear this as a an aspiring young comic you, you just simply would ruin your career right. but why isn't there a comic that's going out doing the dead man's act like all the dead comics he's just doing all their material and really fucking killing it well you know they're trying to get holograms Oh my god! Stand up, dude. Do you know I went? I had a meeting with. Uh, I had a meeting with uh, Josh. I, I Jack. Did you go? Jack and Josh had a kid, and no, it's Josh. 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 It's uh, Sarah Silverman. Oh Sarah, yeah, yeah. Sarah Silverman's country company. They do virtual shows, so Reggie Watts. I think Reggie Watts will go into a virtual room, and virtual fans will show up. And it looks like a comedy club, and he will do virtual stand up, and they will virtually watch it. That's is that the future? He did it. I want to say I'm gonna I'm, I'm fudging the numbers. I'm sure either way too high or way too low, but he did it, and he, I'm almost certain he had 2,500 people in the, in the room. Holy shit! But, that, but you got to be a virtual like you got to be into like your fans have to be into that shit. Yeah, you got to get some pretty tech savvy motherfuckers. I mean, you Jamie from uh from Rogan, Jamie Jamie Vernon. Did I say his last night yeah, name right? That's it. Jamie um does these uh these clicks, not chit chits. Twitch, he does Twitch and he has he makes legit money playing video games. 
Yeah. Like he just goes, yeah. You know, this is why political correctness is so big. And then Jamie's not, I don't think he's a millennial. I think he's a little older than that. He's a millennial. Is he? He's got to be like 20. I think that's, I don't think that's a millennial. I think he's a little older. But that's why political correctness is so big because these kids have everything. Man, imagine when you were 10, someone goes, if you work really hard, you could make six figures playing video games. Everyone look at you like, get the fuck out of you. I mean, I'd be too busy eating ass by 10 years old, (laughs) but the rest of them would be like, get the fuck out of here. Now you got dispensaries. When we wanted to buy weed, we'd have to go bad section of town. Pool hall. These girls would, these girls are Me, Cayman, Spencer, and Sean Hooker went to a pool hall on, uh, on, on, uh, was was it Nebraska? No, it was a pool hall on Himes on Hines, and uh, we and we went there and we saw another kid in our freshman class. Who, this, by the way, this is how different the world was. Uh, we saw another kid, Wade Haldane, who was just out on a fucking Thursday night playing pool. <laughs> he was just we were going to buy weed, and we see Wade, and we're like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm just trying to make some money playing pool." Yeah, that's, that's a hustling. Yeah. How fucking different the world was then is so... That was some DYI shit right there. Early, if you think about it. Yeah. That's what drug dealing was. Drug dealing was just the original DYI shit, dude. I love, I love that, uh, personally, I love that dispense... I, oh, I simply... I, w- I, I, do, I, I love that weed's legal, but I wish that it... I wish they kept it with the licenses. I wish that you had to go get a license. Well, you know what's so funny is this place, I think in Oregon... They just made if you have a, a, a weed license, you can't own a gun. I'm like, if there's anybody I want to have a gun, it's the weed people. Yeah. It's the get, the people drinking too much beer. Take those fucking guns. I need or, a gun. I'm get, We just talked about it on podcast. I'm I'm getting a gun. You are? Dude, you ever go shoot guns? Uh, a lot. I fucking love it. <laughs> it's so much fun. It's like unprotected sex. I know I shouldn't do it, but... Uh. It's so fucking great. Well, it's been great. so demonized. And then you do it, you're like, oh, I get this. I get yeah. this. And then you think about, like, you're like, oh, these motherfuckers are doing drive-bys? You're like, they're just pulling and just shooting. Yeah. It's like, dude, you got to pry. It's like anything. You got to own that shit. Yeah, we went to East L.A. to shoot guns. The first time I ever shot a gun was in East L.A. And uh, I didn't realize it, but obviously the people who go in to shoot guns are guys practicing to use guns. Yeah. So it was all cholos. And I, I walked in and it's all gangbangers in there shooting guns. And immediately I had a panic attack and I didn't have my headsets on or my goggles. I just had the tray and the gun in my hand and bullets all in the tray with the goggles on the tray. And I start, I didn't realize how loud the gun would be. So I hear the pop, like, like it's a, it's a legit pop. Yeah. And I, I'm hearing it over and over again. And I had a panic attack and I, I fucking froze and I started crying and my buddy Lorenzo's with me. He's like, dude. And by the way, like an idiot, I dressed like a gangbanger cause I was going to shoot guns for the first time. So I had khakis on and a basketball, like a baggy basketball Jersey with chucks. And I walk in and I'm crying with bullets and a gun in my hand. Is that a gangbanger? Is that more ska? I, I, I it's probably more, uh, more, um, uh, hey, now, you're an all-star. <laughs> yeah. Get your game Scott, on. Dog. <laughs> yeah, it's more ska. <laughs> I look like, what's the name of that band? 
Smash Mouth. I looked like the lead singer of Smash Mouth. And, uh, and, but all these gangbangers saw me having a panic attack and were like, whoa. Because now I'm the crazy white boy crying. Yeah. And so, uh, but then we shot guns. It was really great. And I've shot him a bunch. Have you ever shot You don't want to see a guy crying with a gun because you know that dude is unstable. Yeah. That guy, if anyone's going to shoot anybody, it's a dude crying with a gun. Did you, um, have you ever shot guns in Vegas? No. I'm, I like really wasn't, guns really weren't part of my thing, but... You know, my buddy, Ryan, that I do tinfoil hat with, he's like, let's go shoot guns. I'm like, I'm not going to look into this. And we went and I was like, I like this, dude. I like this. Now, there's the whole demonization and gun control and all that shit. And that comes down. My opinion on gun control totally changed when I watched that shit in North Dakota. When those cops, militarized cops came in and started fucking just having like militarized drones coming in and fucking like military RVs fucking dudes up. What was this? I didn't see any okay. of this. So these Indians... We're trying to, these Native Americans, I, I'm sorry about that. We're trying to protest a oil pipeline going oh, through their things. I thought that was in Minnesota. No, that was in North Dakota. And they were protesting oh, the same, pipeline same. and they were doing it peacefully. And cops were sent in like straight up stormtrooper style. And I did a really? rant on it. Like, like geared up, dog. Weaponized, geared up. Geared up, dog. Fucking cracking skulls. And I go, dude. It, it, I mean, like, because if you look at most places that don't we have, like, nobody has guns, the cops don't have guns either. Like, very rarely do they have guns. Yeah. So it's like, we all agree nobody has guns. Yeah. But here it's like, they just want to take our guns away and then allow the, the, the law enforcement and everybody else to not only just be armed, but having like military weaponized level of, of, uh, of guns. And See, I'm that, like, that's, that is an interesting thing. I've never thought of it that way. I've never thought I never, I didn't hear that until right then is that one is, is one of the, one of the tenants of this country is that, yeah, we can't live in one of those policed States because we have guns also. So if the government decides, you know what, you know what? Take their guns away. Next thing, you know what? Curfew 10 o'clock. Yeah. Guys, walk the streets. I mean, and, that- and then we don't have guns. That was because that's what happened back then. And they were like, you know, like, this, fuck that. We need to have arms because we need to make sure that the go- the co- the government can't just make the rules. Now, obviously, I don't. I think everyone can agree. And by the way, what I fucking hate about this is there's probably someone listening going, "Dude, I lost all respect for you and Sam when I heard you guys saying we should have guns." I will totally have to go fuck yourself. Everyone's got a different opinion. And 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 what did having a different opinion become this atrocity? Yeah. It's like just because we don't agree on something doesn't mean we're bad people. Why can't? And by the way. I can see the side of people who don't want guns. I can see the side, but I think it's a little skewed. I think I th- what bothers me is um, like the the shoot. Like it seems like they want to take away guns, which, uh, by the way, once again, I want a gun, but I can understand their. I can understand their side of the point. I right. do understand it. The, uh, no guns whatsoever in our in our communities, which like L.A., we, we have very few guns in L.A. Very few guns because just it's they're not. It's what do you mean we have very few guns in L.A.? There's it, gun ownership is very difficult to get in L.A. It's not is very. It? Di- it's as difficult as New York. 
Like New York's really different. By the way, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, I should stop right here. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. All I know is I don't have any friends with guns, but if you go to Tampa, everyone's got a fucking gun. Well, you know, here's the whole thing, dude. Here's the whole thing about guns. It's like Joe Rogan said best. We have a mental illness problem being mass as a gun problem. Yes. Okay. We also have a real problem with pharmaceuticals and guns. and And on top of this, these video games that basically look like people are going in and pegging people off. And you could say that nothing has anything to do with this. Like a lot of these guys that have done this either are on those pharmaceuticals for antidepressants and we're video game nuts. There is a correlation. There is a direct correlation between those antipsychotics. When you try to come off of them, you get a little fucking off tilt. That there is a direct correlation. And there's with that. also a correlation. Like we live in a monkey see monkey do society now. Let me ask you something. Shoot. When you watch Ooh, the, the news, shoot. yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> when you watch the news, yeah, have you ever seen them covering a live bank robbery? Uh, wait. No, I have not. Never. Never. But I remember hearing about it. The one in L.A. I wasn't that's here yet. That's it. That's the only one. Yeah. Have you ever seen it? Why? Because they don't want you robbing banks. They don't want to give you the idea that robbing banks is a good idea. Did you Did you ever, have you ever watched the footage of that bank robbery in North Hollywood? It was right up here, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like right up on Laurel Canyon. I haven't watched it. Dude, that is sickening do you like, know that, that those shooters families sued the cops because they said that they were alive and they didn't save them i'd be like fuck them and fuck you yeah for thinking we owe you a dollar dude those those guys fucking i read an article about it and i watched the footage and it was like i mean they shot one dude and like blew his ankle apart the one cop and the cops like all i have is a fucking nine millimeter and i'm trying to hide behind a tree with a guy who is fucking full kevlar for those of you who don't know hold on one second just so i can like like because everyone's probably like i, I know we're probably losing pe- uh, uh, people why are like, is this too much weird topics no but I we're talking about we have, weird we, shit no this is perfect i like this this is i like this jumping around but i'm sure people are like hold on what fucking sh-? okay it's the north hollywood shootout is what it was called okay the north hollywood shootout sometimes known as the battle of north hollywood was an armed confrontation between two heavily armed armored bank robbers and members of the los angeles police department in 1997 both perpetrators were qu- killed 12 police officers and eight civilians were injured and numerous vehicles and other property were damaged and destroyed by nearly 2000 rounds of ammunition fired by the police and robbers. This thing was, it was right up the street. It was, uh, where was it? The location, North Hollywood. Oh, it gives me the longitude latitude. That was handy. Yeah. So these two dudes rolled in at 9am with fucking a plethora of weapons, a plethora of ammunition, and full body armor. Full fucking body armor. Rolled in, they had their car ready to go, robbed the bank, and then basically just mowed down motherfuckers. Just chick, 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 and and it ended with one guy getting shot and the other guy committing suicide. But the argument they have does make sense. That robbery would never happen without firearms or, or, or ju- just, let's just say, just say, Hey everyone, if you want a nine millimeter, you can have one. If you want a rifle, you can have one. Right. And if you want, if you want a shotgun, you're allowed right. shotguns. You're allowed right. three types right. of guns right. in this country. I get that. But these, uh, these semi-automatic or automatic, fully automatic, that I do see that 
there are no what hunters. Do you, like, well, it's like when Sarah Palin tries to pass a law in Alaska that allows you to hunt animals from a helicopter with high-powered assault rifles, and you're like, why is this That's not happening? Hunting. Like, I think if you talk, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm certain, not certain, but... I think if you talk to the majority of hunters I follow on Instagram, part of what they enjoy about hunting is the the challenge and the threat that it poses to them and getting one with nature and I'm it being one on one. I'm fucking totally fine with hunting. I'm fine with hunting if you eat it. I'm not into show trophy shit. I'm not okay. Here's what okay, let's then let's work backwards because I don't mind the trophy hunting if if what I hear is correct, meaning that all this money they have is going to an animal that's going to be put down anyway and they let a hunter pay it and then that goes to the community, the meat goes to the community and this helps the preservation of those animals. If that is the fact, if you're telling me, listen, we got a white buffalo, uh, we're going to have to kill it. Does anyone want to pay 50 grand to kill it? And then they go, this rich dentist is like, I'll kill it for 50 grand. Yeah, but I want you to have a knife or a spork or yeah. something like that. Like that yeah. to me is like if you're telling me this this animal's in this area and you're going to hunt it down from f- like from fucking way far away with this high and then you're going to hold the trophy head up yeah. like you just killed fucking Medusa, you know, you yeah. like slice the head. That to me is an and like listen I agree. Dude, I if agree. you eat the meat, I have no problem with that because that is as primal as it gets. Yeah. That is life, okay? We hunted a buffalo one time from a legit it, and what what it was was the Crow Nation uh, has a herd of buffalo that they that they you they harvest or whatever they I don't know what the fuck they do with it to be dead honest with you I wasn't listening I was half drunk and uh, but they harvest it and whatever and so they but they got to keep the herd if aggressive males uh, they got to get rid of them or weak men I don't know whatever they got to right. get ri- they got to kill a dude every now and then right for whatever reason yeah we were <laughs> legit probably a legit half a mile away from this animal <laughs> and and I, by the way i don't know what that means but i'll tell you right now we were on a mountain and the the thing was in a valley yeah and it was and i we couldn't you'd hear the shot and then see the animal get hit it was a long far away and this guy took one shot and you just watch 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 and then and then you see the but he missed the vital shot and the buffalo oh. kind of is like hey the fuck man is there some someone do that and then all the buffalo hear the shot and they start taking off but this guy's like i'm not moving so good dude i was i was emotional i was like I, or my whole crew was emotional because then this one little buffalo comes back like yo dad come on we're all getting out of here and you see the dad like give me a sec something's going on with my calf and then and then the dad's like, oh, fuck, you should get out of here, too. And the little buffalo is like going back and forth going, dad, come on. We all started bawling, crying. And and, I, and part of me was like, I look, I don't have a herd of buffalo. I'm certain if I had a herd of buffalo and I knew that me keeping this one buffalo was going to affect the lives of these other 98 buffalo that I had. Right. And I and, I, and someone's like, dude, you got to kill the fucking buffalo. It's your responsibility as a person that runs this herd. You got to do that. I guess I'd do it. I guess I'd have to do it. But man, it was tough. And then we went down and I'm, I'm the same boat you are. Uh, if you're going to harvest the meat and you're cool if with you eating eat meat. eat it, I have no problem yeah. with it. If you're cool with eating meat, you life. better be cool with fucking the harvest. So I go in and I go, I'm not going to not be a part of this situation. Let's go in and fucking cut out the anus first, cut out, open it up. And then they're like, yo, put your hand in there. 
And I was, so I put my hand in it and it was so hot. I went, and it just struck me. I was like, this was alive like 10 minutes ago. This was a, a soul. This was, a, and I was like, whoa. And it was just so heavy. The whole thing of it, the whole experience was so heavy that I go, okay. Like you said, um, like what Joe does and Cameron Haynes and Adam Greentree and the Remy Martin and all these guys, I think Remy Martin's a rapper. I might have said the wrong name, but but Remy Warren, um, I, I'm, dude, I'm cool with bow hunting. I do, I'd go bow hunting if I could, and and have the challenge of of finding the animal, hunting the animal, seeing if I could. I'd go bow hunting. I don't know if I'd use a gun. I probably would have to use a gun the first time because I'm not. I wouldn't be good, but like. I, probably, I don't know. I don't know if that would be the challenge I'm looking for in life. Right, right, right. I'm, I'm sure there's a challenge to shoot hunting with guns. I'm not saying there isn't, but like for me, I mean, maybe there's a challenge. I don't know. I don't know. I've never done it. Maybe I'm over empathetic. I don't know. But what, but what, but what I, I do say, if, I mean, right, tell me if I'm, tell me if I'm right or if I'm wrong. If I said, look, um, we got these guys on death row. Okay. One of the guys is the guy, he raped a bunch of kids, and your kid was one of them. For like $250,000, you get to pull the lever. And you're like, I'll bet. And then they're like, and that money goes to a school, and a bunch of kids, it's make sure that they're all safe for the rest of their life. Like, that's the same thing, I think. I that totally it, get that. Here's that's what problem. it sounds like, what they're doing. By the way, I am not, I don't, I'm not a big game hunter. I don't have a fucking dog in this fight. Right. All I'm saying is what I've heard that is the argument sounds logical it does sound good i'm just like all i'm saying is holding that head up is like and listen again if you eat it i don't care but if you're holding the head up like look at what i did with this like you ever see the video where like they they shot this lion and the lady's sitting on it and they don't notice that the lion's buddy is fucking coming up no and dude it gets them and i'm like fair is fair we didn't <laughs> Fair is fair. And you know what, dude? I'm sorry, man. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm a people person. I love everybody. But I mean, like, I, I think we're all in this together and we should show a little fucking love and respect. And you just show up out of nowhere fucking acting like you just killed this beautiful lion. And the dude, came, his buddy came up. And you know what? Sounds like it's even at this point. We went hunting. We went hunting wild boars in Hawaii with uh, pit bulls. And, um, and I, I, at first I was, I was a little tentative. Cause I was like, I was like, so what, like, what is this? Like, like it, it seems very primal and they and were I'm like, like primal is exactly what it's about. Yeah. For me, it's like, you're going to eat the food. That's what you do. You that's, yeah. That's what I said. I go, I go, dude, I better be cool with this. By the way, I love the dogs. They're badass looking fucking dogs, like badass looking dogs. And, um, and I was like, in my head, I was like, you know what? If, uh, if I'm going to eat this fucking pig, I better be cool hunting it. And I went on the hunt and it was, I will tell you, it is invigorating. It is invigorating to, it's fascinating to go and, and stalk an animal, find the tracks, look for the tracks. Uh, the dogs are going out. You're listening for the dogs. They all have trackers on them, but you're listening for the dogs. And then all of a sudden you hear the dogs going nuts and then you hear the squeal and then to be sprinting through the woods in Hawaii, just flying through the woods and looking for these dogs and then getting there. And then they're, and, and it, dude, it's tough. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie to you. It's tough. The dogs are holding the, the pig down, holding it down. 
And then and these fucking big Hawaiian dudes are like, yo, brah, here. And they hand you the knife. They're like, stab it in the heart. It's Oof. fucking intense, man, to go in there. I didn't, it do, it. Intense, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't stab the pig. Oh, we, dude, I went fishing. I felt bad for the fish. I will see. Now, that's where I guess culturally, I guess you all, everyone has a disconnect because I I've, I've want to say I've hit a I've caught a fish, brought it on the boat, and hit it on the head with a hammer or on it with a baseball bat. And but I grew up in Tampa, and that was just stuff you saw. They eat at fucking a, alligators. Yeah, at a very young dude. I mean, you know why do I feel bad about eating alligator? Because I know alligators out there eating everybody. Do you know how they kill alligators? Uh, they go up with a pow stick, and you just go up. You find them in the water, sitting with their eyes. You hit them with the fucking flashlight. You roll the boat right up next to them, and you have a stick that has a fucking twelve gauge bullet at the end. And when you tap it. It taps the bullet and it explodes their fucking heads. Just Kong. It is not the hunting you think. You get you you put in for the lottery. I think they give you 150 tags a year. By the way, I don't know what I'm talking about, but they give you a bunch. You put in for a lottery because alligators are endangered. They give it like say 50 tags a year, and if you get a tag, it's a big fucking deal. And so then you go out with a pal stick and just tap it. And by the way, if you're t- gonna call me and tell me I'm wrong, then you're fucking right because I don't fucking know. Yeah. But I grew up in Tampa, and this is how I know it was done. And so, but like, but fishing culturally, I have no problem. Right. I get killing that a fish. too, dude. Patrice O'Neill used to say, "You know why? Because they don't have eyebrows." That could because be cool. If, if, if you pulled a fish, this is a Patrice joke, because if you pulled a fish into your boat and it had eyebrows and it just looked at you like, yo, man, for real, you're going to do this to me? <laughs> He'd be like, you'd have a harder time. But he says, they stare at you like a pimp. Just what the fuck? So, you know, because I, I, as soon as I got a dog, my view on animals changed. You oh. Know? I, I, when, I didn't have a dog when the Michael Vick thing happened. I was like, come on, it's dogs. Then you get a dog and you see their souls and they have personalities and all this shit. And you're like, oh, man. I mean, like, come on, dude. You get, these things want to love you. So it's. But listen, that's, dude, that's, that's, cul- saying- that's cultural because I had friends. I had redneck friends. No black friends that did it. But redneck friends were like, dude, it's just a dog fight. But that in the South, dog fighting was like fucking popular 100 percent, dude super po- i've never been to a dog fight i've never seen it but i knew people who were like it's just a dog fight bro and 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 they're like yeah and and we went to puerto rico and we almost went to a cock fight and by the way i have fucking chickens and at the last minute i was like i can't go because i got chickens in my backyard and i can't go and watch one of my chick henrietta fight you know oh that reminds me of henrietta yeah. and then it rips the guts out of charlotte it's just like it's just you know what i feel bad for just bad luck it's just like here you are you know it's like why i i don't i i get very passionate when i hear about these children especially like when you hear about like kids in foster homes just disappearing and nobody knows where they are and you're just like and they have nobody who cares and it's just like it breaks my fucking heart dude it breaks my fucking heart and that's why i'm really passionate about a lot of stuff i talk about on my on my podcast because like these kids were just born to a world of shit, man. And I'm very empathetic to that. Like when I see someone whacked out on drugs, like a lot of people want to run. Like last night I pulled into Wendy's at real late night. I'm getting a grub. And this guy just walked up to me. I'm at the drive-thru. He goes, fries. And I go, what? He goes, fries. I go, no, man, get the fuck. And I stopped. I go, man, this guy. Who I don't know his story, man. You can yeah. see like, oh, this is a dude who just did fucking drugs, and there he is. Or did he get born to a world of fucking shit? He has I, gotten every fucking bad card you could get out of the deck. So I got the guy fucking fries, and it's, it means nothing to me. And that's why, like, I was, I was, I went to this cafe twenty uh, one hundred one, and I gave this chick two bucks, 
And then I was going to buy her dinner and the manager didn't want me to because he said, if you do that, then they'll start coming in all the time. And then we got to deal with that. I go, I respect that. I won't do it. And he goes, I just want you to see what she does with your $2. She just bought two songs on the jukebox. I go, Hey dog, I didn't give her that to fucking. So she went and saved herself. I gave her $2 cause they're, but for the, the love of God, go I, right. And I gave her $2 to help her out. If that playing that song, for fucking three minutes yeah. stops her from realizing she lives on the fucking streets. That's all I fucking wanted to do it for, dude. You know, it's like, yeah. I don't, I dude, I had a bad drug problem. I fucking, I, I went through some gnarly fucking did, shit. I, did I even know you when you were doing those? Were we hanging out at all? No, dude. No, I was like, I was a store guy. I was a store rat. And what I year, some, what year were you, were you uh, probably much? the years from, uh, 2002, to like a couple years ago you know it was just like a lot of coke you know a lot of fucking drinking you know and it's just like i was just you know i caught but a couple still, bad but breaks still, but you were still working I, i've always been a functional fucking partier like not to the level like i always look at you going man that guy can drink and fucking get shit done i'm like you know it's like the mickey mantle shit you talk about like <laughs> like to do, you know, like we look back at these athletes, like, dude, Babe Ruth at seven inning straight, seven inning stretch was at the bar across the street buying a six pack and walking back with it. Yeah. Like they just function, dog. And you fun. I like, I, I got really mediocre. That's my problem. Like I became a really mediocre artist and what I do on stage, I don't think it's as different as as it used to be like i used to be the dark guy now i think there's a lot of people who talk about that stuff on say so it's not as shocking which i think is why it's doing much better now like i would either get standing o's or boot off stage yeah like there was a period where standing out boot off stage like same jokes yeah but when i was partying i just i wasn't working at the level i had to work at to pull it off and it was just I was killing my soul, dude. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. when I see somebody like that, I see somebody who's like, who can't, couldn't beat it and just didn't have the resources around him to pull himself out of it. But what was like, like, I would love, I'm curious about your partying because I always, I never, I never knew you were partying. I never knew you were partying. And I'd, I'm sure I ran into many nights when you were, but like, but like, what was the thing that, um, like, was it? Was, did you have rules? Like, did you like? Hey, I can't do coke before I go to the store. I can't. Mm. No. At, at one point, the store was like. This was like, I want to say like two thousand four, two thousand five. Like, it's not what it was now. Now yeah. it's just this, this amazing like, just this place that's just magical. You're like, this is maybe arguably the greatest time at the comedy store. As much as those older that like that 70s 80 group like had all these icons yeah like you talk to people there and then they'll be like this time's better i mean the comedy is just i mean everything grow the, and there's the a next lot of generation diversity there's everything there it's, it's, it's like really a great time at the it's store. That, but the comedy is such at a super high level now yeah you know it's like you can't go up there and fuck around like you used to be, be able to but like one of the things that i did like no i'm not saying i still party i still party but before november I was part or October. I was I was party. I I always have I always have rules to my partying. Like I've like I think I've been very strict with my partying. Like I never drink before I go on stage. I can bring a drink on stage with me, but I can't go on stage drunk. 
Right. Because I, I immediately, if I do bad, that was the reason why. Right. Um, so like perfect example is um, I did a show the other night, two shows. I go to the main room. I brought a drink on stage with me, but, it, but the show went well. So I go, eh, I'm not allowed to drink it until I get done the OR. And so then I, I get done the OR. I have a drink. I go in. Um, what's uh, Jesselnick's in there bullshitting? And so I'm like, oh, I'll have a drink. Bullshit with Jesselnick. But uh, but like, I, I, I have a hard time. I don't like drinking on stage. Did you? Would you go to the store and be like, because I would love to be one of those guys that's like, like uh, gets there and is like, ah, oh, let me take a beer. Fultron. Fultron can go up to the store and be like, uh, let me get a beer and a shot and do a beer and a shot and then have another beer and then they're like, hey, it's going to be 15 more minutes. It's like, cool, get another drink, go on stage and it's the same fucking guy. Yeah. Like I never was that guy. No, dude, I think I, I'm, I, and this is probably my delusions of grandeur, but I, I think I'm the reason they charge comics for drinks at the store. You know, <laughs> yeah. like I was setting high scores. At some point, the comedy became second to the party. And, you know, it's like, again, my sex addiction, you know, there was, there was booze and there was a flow of cocaine and there were women who were there for the cocaine. And Coke is just, Coke is this weird thing. If you ever want to believe in God, cocaine is a great thing to make you believe in God because Coke is this thing that women will do it and then the, sexually you can just light them up because they just love Coke. They're like, yeah, I, I'm Coke. Light them Get up. weird. Get fucking weird. But then your dick doesn't work. And my my one thing it was, I always made jokes about, like, we all have a gift from God. Mine was I could fuck on Coke. I could fuck on Coke. We all have a gift from God. Mine was I can fuck on Coke. So I'd be able to fuck. Michael Jordan, you're gifted with the, probably the most perfect athletic body right, ever. Right, Sam right. Tripoli. Yeah. Can you get rock hard, eight ball in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, that's how it was, dude. That's how it was. And it just became, there were just a lot of chicks there that just loved coke and loved fucking and i just feel like and granted and again, this, out is the, of it. this is the darker time of the store yeah you can call it the darker time like i call it the funner time the more fun <laughs> time but I, I but i'm fine with what the store is now and i'm fine with what adam's doing because you have to have that place humming or else they're gonna knock it down and turn into a half empty condominium that the everything i mean dude they're building these condos and i'm like Nobody's living here. There's like three lights on in the whole fucking place. Yeah. Right? So it's like it has to be packed every night or else they'll just knock it down. So I'm cool with it. But I also miss the old outlaw days. It's like the UFC. I love the UFC now. I also miss the old outlaw days. Ari said this. Ari said this the other day. Um, uh, he said, uh, it was. I think it was him and Joe were talking about it. And he was like, He's like, I, I, miss, I miss it. I miss, I miss the old days when you could fuck someone in the closet. I miss yeah, it. It was fun. And it's too businessy now. Like, I don't know. Like, I couldn't tell. Like, these younger girls, and I've aged out of it. So I, that's also, I, you know, I'm in my 40s. Yeah. These young girls aren't running around with that. And I'm in a relationship. But back when I wasn't, you know, I don't, I don't see the girls the same way. There's no girls who just show up with dick on the brain like there used to be. Like I've always wanted in the back upstairs by the sound booth, if you go upstairs, I always wanted to do like put girls' names on the walls of girls who were like the greatest of the, the chuckle fuckers. They were wonderful people. And I sometimes they gave shit and they always got shit from the one guy they wouldn't fuck. Yeah. You'd get really angry. You know, it's like, oh, it's like, hey, dude, she's just nine to you. There's other ones here. Yeah. Celebrate them. Buy them a drink. Thank them for their service. You know? So wait, wait. Tell me, tell me a good 
uh, I want to hear a good um, Dark Days of the Comedy Store. Rogan, maybe Rogan's around and Rogan's not around. I don't think Rogan. I don't think I don't. The dark days were when Rogan wasn't there. That's what I've always assumed because when he was there, it was still. It was like it was still a hotbed. It was, it was still a, good. It was, but that was that was the when when he was working there. That was the, when the division of alt comedy versus uh, club comedy was. Well, yeah, I mean, the Rogan. There's a you know the pre-Rogan leaving and post-Rogan. There's two different comedy stores. Like before Rogan was. Th- quit and or took a break from the place you know there was it was a mitzi shore place and I, thought that, he was, I thought he was banned no he wasn't banned i oh. think he just he didn't like how it went down i don't i don't blame him yeah the comedy store and all those agents literally picked the wrong horse oh boy did they ever man and not you know and then who was his agent at the time was it matt blake i don't i don't know who it was but you know it's it's just because that carlos had the show on at that time so they picked that like you know if it would have happened a year earlier when fear factor was still on they would have gone the other way it's just yeah. like it's it wasn't long term yeah, and nobody realized that that video was a snuff film. <laughs> what do you mean? Like it did huge damage. It like <laughs> it was a snuff film. You know, it was a snuff film. That really, uh, that real that video. But that video is a great example of how egos kill. Colin Kaepernick, another thing about that guy, he picked this onto himself. Yeah. Dude, he renegotiated his contract because he didn't understand his market. He left money on a table, took less years so he could hit free agency. And dude, there's nobody buying. It's yeah. like you can look at these people all the time where they just, their egos killed them. What was it? What, what do you think? How do you think Carlos's ego killed him in that video? He walked up on stage. He wasn't called on stage. He walked up in there and fucking challenged Rogan. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, are you sit- Are you joking right now? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Did Carlsman so, see so, Joe so, Rogan yeah, video? So, you, so how old are you? Okay. So how long ago do you think that it's was? It's got to be 10 years. So yeah, you were 16. Maybe it wasn't making the run. And the internet wasn't what it is it was, today. It was, uh, it was back when the... The chat room was MySpace, and and the comments were on MySpace. Yep. And I remember reading Rogan's MySpace comments and reading Mencia's MySpace comments. And I I got to be honest with you, I felt like Rogan's MySpace comments were more threatening, meaning like people were like, "Yo, Holmes, don't you come to fucking East LA, Holmes, or whatever." But um, so for those of you who don't Until know, they found out he yeah. wasn't Mexican, and that's where it all. That's what happened there. For those of you who don't know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Uh, it, 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 this video is one of the first, probably, um, in all-inclusive comedy videos ever made. Meaning, where every comic was talking about it. This was probably one of the more important because it's right. It's hitting the time right where videos are are. You can shoot stuff. It represented a kind of change in comedy in that there. I remember thinking that there was these guys who were accused of stealing material and nothing was happening to them. Yeah. And I started questioning whether there's karma in the world, whether there's any justice and nobody, nobody cared. Yeah. And I was just like, I was like, man, fuck man. It's just like, there's everybody knows they're doing it and nobody. I had never, I had never heard 
Carlos Mencia was a thief up until this point. Oh, really? I, I, well, I didn't know. I didn't know him. Of course, I was comedy store deep into it. Yeah, I didn't know him. This is like the third podcast I kind of talked about. Carl. It just comes up naturally. And I but don't. You, but you, it's not because you have any beef with him. It's just you were at the round I at the time. I beef with him for this one thing. Oh, yeah? I talk, I, you know, about him bumping me in Dallas. Yeah. That's big. Oh, I've you talk. To, by the way, I think you've told this on my podcast. Yeah, 100%. So I'd like to always have a talk with him because I ran I'm all into about. Him. I ran him to the first time the other day. At I would love funeral. to sit down. I mean, man to man, I'd love to have a sit down and talk with them because at the end of the day, it's like I would rather be cool with somebody yeah. than have fucking beef. I I met him at Ralphie's funeral. I'd never even met him before, and uh, he came up to me and he was like, uh, he was really nice. He was really cool, and I was like, I was like, oh, you know, like I, that was my experience. I, I I don't really have any beef with Carlos, right? But the video was the video was, um. It was just it, so, but I didn't know any of the backstory. So here's what I heard: I heard that, um, that Rogan was on stage and was bringing up Carlos, yeah, and said, "Ladies and gentlemen, Carlos Menstelia." Yes, and then Carlos came up. So Rogan. So this is in the. And by the way, I thought this was in the main room. No, it was this in, is in the, the OR, OR and Kurt Fox. Kurt Fox was coming on stage. Kurt had been opening for uh, for Carlos and. Oh, they were bringing Kurt Fox on. Yes, and they were like, "Ladies and gentlemen, this next guy opens for up for Carlos Menstelia." Yeah, and put your hands together for Kirk Fox, and then yeah. Carlos got on stage. Yes, oh, and, well, Kurt went up. I didn't know that. And then Carlos ran up on stage and grabbed the mic from from uh, Kurt Fox. Wow, I didn't know that. And then basically said, "You wouldn't say it to my face," which. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's a little bit of. A, yeah, a little crazy. I think, Joe, I think Joe didn't. Joe does not have a problem with confrontation. Yeah. <laughs> and walk, and that's the rest is, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that that uh, snuff film. It really was. I mean, he's uh, how like. I think he's doing fine. I think he's but, doing fine I mean, too. It was, you know, but it's it not. It's it not. Is. It's not what his his trajectory was different. He, well, I mean, like he was one of the biggest guys at that point, dude. Him and Gabe, and uh, and like, and Pablo, dude. They used to do the Four Amigos tour back when Freddie Soto was still alive. Yeah, he would follow Pablo Francisco. Carlos would. Yeah, like, the, dude, Pablo Francisco came out of the womb with a killer hour. Like, that's how fu- that guy's been funny for so fucking long did you see his uh meltdown video oh man that breaks my heart killed me there because but for the grace of god go i what's that mean that means like that could easily been me if dip, i have dip. Uh, by the way i said the same thing and i don't do coke but i've been in that I situation think that's more than coke i don't want to get too far into that but really that looks like more than coke to me really yeah i think it's way deeper than that yeah, and so for those of you who don't know, just Google the Pablo thing. I'm not going to talk about it. I, I like Pablo. I don't know Pablo at all. Dude, that uh, guy gave me a car. That's how nice he was. He won a car in some weird kind of gambling thing, yeah. and he gave it to Rita, and Rita didn't want it, so he gave me a car. And then I, in turn, gave that car to somebody else, and he gave it to somebody. And like we all, like he gave me a car, dude. The guy was the nicest dude ever. And I don't know what it is, man. There's, you know, this is, he's been battling a long time. I'm not judging him. It's, he's it, doing better now, I heard. I hope. I love him to death. He's, dude. He was just did a show with Red Band. I know uh, that, uh, I know, I know that, uh, Court McCown works with him too. So it's, it's great. Yeah, court's sober. But here, Court, yeah, for a long time. Yeah, really Here's the whole thing, dude. It's just like comedians, entertainers, 
you know, we are off. That's why we produce great entertainment because we have a different view of the world. You know, and it just, it's something's off. It's a little different. Therefore, yeah. you know, ask your neighbor to write a joke for you and be like, eh, that was garbage. Because that's not what they do. Oh, I sat, I sat at a bar with a girl who was like, um, who's like, um, can I ask you a question? I was like, yeah. And she goes, how do you get over the stage fright? And I was like, I don't have it. I go, listen, I'm the kind of guy when I see a stage, you've got to hold me back. Yeah. Because I want to be on it. I love being on stage. It's the safest place. You ever hear Michael Jordan says the only ha happiness he ever has is when he was playing on the court? Yeah. Because everything's out. I, I get that, dude. Yeah. I love stand-up. I hate the business of stand-up because it's been I've been bumping heads with people though. I like if I don't do it myself, it doesn't happen, right? Yeah. So that part drives me nuts. But the actual part of being on stage, like I will literally go gig anywhere, dude. I will gig, you know, I'll do main room, packed main rooms, and then I'll run to an like some buddy of mine who I who I just met and I just empathize with like new comedians. They're like, come do my show. I'm like, fuck, I don't know how to say no. Yeah. So I show up and it's like five people in a motherfucking valley in some bar that has no feng shui for live fucking comedy. Yeah. But I'm the stage whore and I'll go up there and fucking just try to like, do you know, I'll do fucking, I'll just try to get Patrick Swayze Roadhouse. I'll just fucking regulate this fucking crazy ass situation. I, I have my, my, um, I'm not as hungry to get on stage as I used to be. Meaning like I love my, like if I'm home, if I have a weekend off, I don't go over to the comedy store because if I have a weekend off, I want to spend my, I want, I want to have a life with my daughters while they're still want to be with me. Right. And so I, I kind of dial in to be with our friends and do stuff that's family stuff. But you're a road dog of epic proportions. That's my problem is I can't stay off the road and I have a hard time saying no to a gig. I don't like doing it more than twice a month. Uh, if I can dude, get that. I'm on the road. Are you ready for this? I'm on the road every weekend from la this from last weekend till February. Like uh, for the end of February. I'm on the road every single week doing adding one-nighters uh, sometimes Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, because you're I, crushing it. But I know, but but I like, I love, I love being on stage for an hour. I don't, I don't really care a ton about being on stage for ten minutes, and like fifteen minutes is good, um, you know. But I, I'm trying to work on stuff, so it's really hard. Like it's good to write. I totally get it, dude. And so, but but my the joy the stage brings me, which is an odd joy, is. Uh, I get uh, I, I get really bad anxiety on Sundays. I don't do Sundays anymore. Um, but like on Saturdays, because I know I got to fly Sunday morning at like four in the morning, six in the morning. And I will have crippling anxiety about my flight all day Saturday, packing the room Saturday night, get to the club. I'm like, ugh. And then the second I get on stage, it disappears. It's gone entirely and i'm like and i'm like I love being and i'm like stage. oh this is like it's like taking a xanax it's the exact same feeling of ta taking a xanax my problem in comedy dude is that i'm too punk rock i just love to rattle cages and i just love not pissing people off but i used to love when when i was young i would love to go and this is the vegas in me because like vegas comics talk mad shit dude yeah Matt, I always go back. I'm like, these guys, of every scene I've ever been to, Vegas comics talk mad shit. Really? We're like, yeah, dude. Because look who started the scene, Doug Stanhope. 
Yeah. Doug Stanhope started. It. Then I went to me and we couldn't play clubs. We had to do bars and you had to fucking go. You had to take it to them to get them to listen. And that's just trickled down to the rest of them. You know, and there are some mainstream acts that are really great too. But it's like, I love talking shit, dude. There is a there is a vibe of there are comics that have never done bar gigs, and if you haven't done a bar gig, you do, you almost don't really know what your stand up is really like. like. I was considered, and by was considered, Mark Ellis used to tell me this. He considered me the greatest barroom comic of all time, and I used to love that. I used to. I used to wear it as a badge of honor. Now it's yeah. like, I don't want to do as many. Like Ari won't do bar gigs. He's like, I hate bars. I love them. If you pack a room in there and get them listen, I'll fuck. I love it. Do you know who's a great bar comic? And you're never going to, me, you might believe this. Dane Cook. Oh, I could, I, I could see that style. Dude, I went to this. Totally working. I went to this bar. This, if you're a big listener, this is the same bar that I got into a fight with Devin Sawa and uh stew stone in but i went to this bar over by the beverly center and dane was and they were doing comedy and i didn't know they were doing comedy and i kind of knew dane i didn't know him i didn't know him to talk to him or anything but i had seen him in new york and i had seen him and i knew barry was one of his clients and i was signed with barry but i didn't really know him know him it was like i knew him the same way i knew other comics but i didn't know him right and he got up in the corner and everyone was talking and he shut their fucking mouths and everyone was staring at him and and i think it was because he was so good at dublin's but like that energy of oh, like dude, he people will never understand and i say this all the time dane cook at the height of his power i said this to him man and dane and i've had weird moments where everyone's we had weird moments with dane dane is dane is dane doesn't he's like joey doesn't have a problem with confrontation he, he it, it's if he doesn't well he, he, maybe he thrives in it there's like howard stern is a wonderful but you know he loves him he's like eminem they got to have a conflict to get those creative juices because when oh, you've conquered like everything that. you got to have a conflict to get you my conflict's internal oh me too dude the killer's yeah. within dude <laughs> but uh, dane during those Dublin years i have never except for maybe one time watching joe rogan in toronto I've never seen anybody kill like Dane Cook used to kill. Like, I mean, room rattling. Like, Dude. not just like the room, but the physical structure of the building is shaking because people are laughing so hard. And that was an old building. It could have gone down at any moment. That was one of the... I, that, I am so lucky that I got to go up at Dublin's during that time and see what he did. Because that he he owned that room better than anyone had ever Everybody, owned a comedy dude. room. And like ever. when you hear people go, Dane's not fucking funny. I go, you have no clue what you're talking. You've about. never seen. I remember him going up, and all he was doing was uh, he just went up and he was like, "Sports chalet, a ticket to the limit." He and he would great. just he would deconstruct that sports chalet commercial. This is so inside L.A. because. It was just a popular commercial at the time in L.A. that you'd hear, Sports Chalet, a ticket to the limit. Yeah. And he would just, he broke, I remember him telling a joke, like jokes that I just stick with me that made me giggle. He's like, you ever have a friend that's so fucking stupid, you don't know how to react to their question? He was, I had a friend, who was, and it was, his friend was Brian Volkweiss now, who runs New uh, new Wave yeah. Discovery or New Wave Dynamics. Yeah, um, Comedy Dynamics. Comedy Dynamics, which is... The if you've seen a special, Brian Volkweiss has produced it. Brian's Brian and him, I guess, were working out, and Brian's like, 
You know what that's so great? You know what they should do? Is they should have coin-operated workout machines. So, like, you put a coin in and then the bench press releases and yeah, you can do it. <laughs> That's the dumbest idea I've ever fucking heard. And it was just, a, it was like a silly joke about, well, then why did you ever, like, how is this going to work with barbells? Yeah. Like, you just leave them off. Yeah. And it was like, it, it was just, like, I remember things he said as throwaway jokes that never made it into special that made me laugh hard as shit. He had a joke that very rarely does do people write jokes where I'm like, why didn't I fucking think of that? Yeah. But he had one where it's like, I dated a, uh, a chick you know, you always ask your girlfriend, like, what's your fantasies? And she said, I have a rape fantasy, right? Yeah. And I, I never ran with that joke. I like, and then I remember watching him going, am I raping you good? Am I raping you good? And you like this rape? I'm like, why didn't I fucking think of that? Dude, I worked with a guy, me, Brett Ernst, Brett Ernst's brother? Yeah. Was Brett? Keith. Is, was no. Yeah, Keith Ernst. Was, but, but we all worked at a casino just outside the city. I want to say... Yeah, Maybe. but not Pache- I know who his his girlfriend used to book it. Yeah. What the fuck was the name of the uh I There was know. this kid that like hung out at the store. I don't think he was passed, but he <laughs> had a joke and it was such it was it was it, it's it's it dials into your integrity as a comic. He he had a joke on stage and it was my girlfriend's my my wife, I think it was his wife, had a rape fantasy. And he was like um I'm just not that into it. Like, I, I just can't. And like, he, he didn't, I don't think he knew how to write the joke per se. Right. He was maybe too young, but he was like, I'm just not in it, into it. You know, I don't want to rape somebody. Like, that's just not my thing, you know? And then that was his joke. And I was like, I, he came off stage and I was like, and in my head, I was like, oh, I, I know your joke. Very easily, I could just go, that's a common premise. I'm going to take it. I'm going to do it my way. But I pulled him aside and I was like, yo, man, this is, this has to be your joke. Uh, it's my wife has a rape fantasy and I'm not into it because what if I am into it? Like, what if that's my thing? And that's what all I want. And I come home, I'm like, tonight I'm raping you. She's like, yeah, I'm not in the mood. And he's like, that's what I'm talking about. And she's like, no, seriously, stop. And he's like, oh, you're into it now, huh? And she's like, no, really stop. And he's like, yeah. Like, and he was like, oh, that is a good joke. Oh, oh can I have that? And I was like, it's your joke. Yeah. And I was like, I just wrote it watching your stand up. Did he ever do it? I don't even know who the fucking guy was. I don't even you know who hit he him was. up going, are you doing that? I don't even know if he's doing stand-up. He didn't seem like someone who was totally committed to it. By the way, cut to uh, that guy is uh, uh, Cheeto yeah. Santino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I fucking... I, I, Dane at that time was really, really fun to watch. Uh, dude, he was a force of nature, dude. But, but you got to... You know, he ushered in what I call, I call pop comedy. And yeah. it, it's it's like comedy for chicks, and it was, it was like a really nobody ever really came out and just owned it, and I feel like he owned it, and it was great. And I always feel like pop comedy. Well, and this doesn't apply to Dane, but I think it applies now as people have kind of taken what he's done with it and ran with it. <clears throat> pop comedy is when you take a real situation and you take a hacky take on it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like something really happened, but then your take on it is what is easily digestible to everybody, yeah. which means most likely it's been done a thousand times. Yeah. But it's a real event. And it comes down to what we've talked before on here, clowns versus shit talkers, right? Shit talkers to have a real event and they take a real, like their version of the take on it. And then there's clowns that just want to get laughed. So maybe something really happened to them, but it's such a like, 
They don't have any attachment to the truth. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, and then uh, all of a sudden, uh, this, this wolf's got a gun. And the yeah. wolf's like, hey, man, freeze. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, damn, I kiss you the wolf. What? Yeah, yeah. And it's just like yeah. they own it. You know, it's like uh, uh, Bill Burr's bit about black pope, right? You're like, thank God the, the pope didn't, wasn't black because we just hear every black comic's doing, man, you don't fuck with black pope. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, it's a real event, but a hacky take on it. Yeah. And that's kind of, and I love breaking down comedy like that. Dude, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed because uh, a lot of people are like, a lot of people have seen my act and they're like, so you're a storyteller now. I was like, no, I don't think I've changed I anything. I think you're I'm, wonderful at storytelling. But I don't think I've changed anything that I'm doing. I'm just, I don't, for some reason, I get I don't this, see like, you as a setup punch guy. I'm definitely not a setup punch guy. I am definitely not a setup punch guy. But, and I'm not like, a, I'm not, uh, uh, like and I, I said I didn't say this to Bill the other day, but I did think this when we were talking about it, but I didn't share it with him because I was like I don't I know that Bill will not agree with me, and I don't want to have an argument with him. But uh, I believe there are a lot of people that are trying to do what Bill does, like the way that that happened to Hedberg. There are a lot of people like uh, like taking the, the the his the take, flipping it backwards and working the argument. Oh, backwards I've seen like a younger lawyer. comics yeah. with. Bill Burr cadences. Yes. And that happens. And so so I have a hard time I have a hard time taking things in the news or cultural things like catcalling and doing a bit about catcalling. I also have a hard time, you know, like like I think for me what was happening is that I maybe I'm not the maybe I'm not the best comic in the world. So like You're a great comic. But I'll, I'll, I, I, okay, thank you very much. I should just take the compliment. I'm sure my therapist is like, Burke, they're coming. But what I what I see is, I see a lot in the OR. When I sit in the OR, I see a lot of people doing the same premises. And I go, the only way for me to avoid doing the same premises as everyone is to be authentic to what I have. And that is just my my life experiences. Things that authentically, independently happen to right, me right, that are, right, are, not, right, right. They're, are not common ground. Like even I texted Nikki Glazer. I was like, yo, I got a hand job joke too. It's not as good as yours, but I just want like, I got to rework my premise now because I, I had hers is a really good hand job joke. But then in my head, I go, now, I'm not, I'm not saying this to Nikki, but for me, I go, I can't just put all my eggs in the basket of like, like hand job joke or like, <coughs> you know, and then, and then pray. I've got to go to, I've got to do this blowjob joke where it's authentic to me. Right. And, and right. so I, and ultimately the only way I can tell those jokes is not in a setup punch, but in a story. I'm not good at like, uh, you know, what's sad about a blow. Like, I'm not good at that. You yeah, know, I, I I do get that. I mean, like, here's a big problem in comedy right now. There's so many comics and they're all trying to be Louis C.K. and put out hours every year. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like you're going to lap on stuff, you know, political correctness. You hear a lot of guys going off on that. So what is your take on it? It's got to be so different, you know, and, you know, like I would even avoid any of the me too stuff because there's already people that are all trying to work that angle. Right, right, right. And, and Bill's going to do it better than all well, of them. My biggest thing is like I go up on stage and I I, I go after sacred cows. Like you and Bill are so different because the way you approach a subject and the way Bill does, but you guys are also authentically defined comics. Like you, your point of view is so specifically you. Like when your opening joke to uh, what was your opening joke on that on that um, on that special that the um, the album you did it was about uh, blowjob what was it 
Oh, uh, I can't remember. Oh, That's dude. me. I don't even know any of my fucking jokes anymore. It was. I got it. I got to tell you, because it was so. Immediately, I was dying laughing. You're. Can I tell you the thing I love about what you do? And I I hear this in my head. Hold on. Let me get the gun out of my mouth. Go on. The one thing. And it's, and it's something that it's like the thing you see someone doing, like you said, uh, Brett Ernst got all these great stories and he never goes there. One of my favorite things, and you know this is like one of my favorite jokes ever, but your ability to just throw in a line that is guy line in the middle of like this story of just fucking, it's like you almost slam dunk when you do stand up. Like you'll do a story and dunk and then do a story, then alley-oop dunk. Your punchlines are so hard. When you did that story about that fucking girl playing basketball with you guys at the YMCA yeah, oh, and yeah. she goes up for a rebound and I ring her bell and you knock the fucking, hey, you know, the, but it's a dunk. It's a dunk in your stories and, and your opening joke on that album. What was the name of the album? I, it was the diabolical or is it the uh, believe in yourself believe in yourself it's the one with all the writing all over yeah, it yeah, believe, believe in yourself that. your opening joke is just so fucking that it's it's you have an energy to you when you're on stage where it's undeniable and it's encompassing like everyone around gets wrapped up in that energy well you, uh, dude I, I can't think I need to hear that because sometimes I feel like complete fucking failure and I also feel like sometimes people get mad at me because I go up there I like I feel this burdened to have to defend honest talk on stage yeah I feel like that's why I love New York City so much and I need to go out there more I just feel like LA is so conformist now. We conform. Have you ever so, thought about that? I, about going to LA a lot more. I'm starting to do that. Going to now. New York, New York. Not the move there. I because I, I don't like cold. I'm just a warm guy, you know. And I got I I'm emotionally attached to Los Angeles. Emotionally. Do you should spend a month in in New York. I would love to do. I don't think my girlfriend would ever let me do it. But I'm I, I would love to. I've been thinking about so doing me, it. so much of what you do is. So much of your energy is so much more New York right now. Well, oh, I feel it all the time. I feel it. I feel it in the comedy store. I feel sometimes when I go up that, you know, everybody's zigging. I'm zagging and there's not a lot of money in zagging as much as, you know, there is zigging. Yeah, but that's a natural, a natural, authentic artist sees the trend and goes the opposite I direction. Have, I do. We need to fight for truth. Like the notion that I can't make an observation about black people when <laughs> all I'm told is that celebrate diversity. And yeah. but I can't go black people crack me. I feel bad for the black guy who gets picked first in basketball and can't play. That's not <laughs> racism. That's racial. Yeah. And I have to fight back. And like I I do this bit about called oppression math, dude, because like you watch crowds, they allow, if they think that you your people have been oppressed, yeah. they'll let you get away with way fucking more. Yeah. And I do this, I break it down how these people have been oppressed and they can make fun of these people, but they can't make fun of these people. You know, with David Tell, you know, and yeah. he did a couple gay jokes and now they're doing oppression math. Oh, gay people are more oppressed, blah, blah, blah. And who gets away with that? And it's this great fucking bit that at the end of the day, you know, if you're a fat black gay midget, you can scorch the fucking earth, right? <laughs> scorch. You can say anything and they'll yeah. fucking laugh, right and so i watched some people have a fucking angry reaction to that joke yeah because yeah. it's just a fu but i have to do it 
because we have to fight back against this, 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 the political correctness is lazy, uh, civil rights. It's like the civil rights movement's meth crackhead brother, where it's like, it's came from this amazing place, but it's, it's just been completely manipulated. And there's so much fine print to it that it really doesn't even apply. And you just allow scared, lazy thinkers to have set rules that they apply to shit. And by the way, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not real. It's not authentic. Oh, by the way, the people who are now destroying Louis C.K. are the ones who completely co-signed on him saying N-words, doing jokes about fucking kids. We're celebrating him as this fucking brave guy. And then they found out that he know all that was is he really just jacked off a lot. Yeah. And they're like, ooh. And then they fu- now they're they're murdering him. And I yeah. don't have anything against Louis C.K. I know the girls that happened to. And you know what? You just got to. Hey, you got to pay your bill in life. That's a big thing about cocaine. Coke is fucking great. But if you do it for too long, that fucking bill gets really fucking high. And it's like I say, Coke is like going to a restaurant and just eating and eating and eating. It sounds great, but eventually the bill comes. I love that. You got to pay your bill in life. You got to pay the bill, dude. I feel like that a lot. I feel like if, if you're not keeping up with your tab and how much you owe... Then they're gonna kill your dad like Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you fucking treat people like shit forever, and this is what I've always learned, dude. And you know what's so funny? I just started jujitsu, dude, and yeah. I love it. And yeah. I thought I would hate it, and I fucking love it. Yeah. And it's like so much like recovery. It's like the most helpful, warm place. Besides them trying to choke you out, but even then, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got I took it like ten years ago. I got fucking tapped by a guy with cerebral palsy, dog. I mean, that's how <laughs> <laughs> fucking crazy legs fucking choking me out, dog. But you know, it's like, but it's like I've learned through recovery that like, if, <laughs> if, if if people are treating you like shit, man, you shouldn't take it personal because it has more to do with them and how they're dealing with people. But yeah. I've learned that if they're treating you like shit, they're probably treating a lot of people like shit. And that all comes out, man. And eventually you got to pay that bill, dude. Yeah. And that's why when shit goes up, it's fine. But when it's coming down, does anyone put their hand out to fucking help you? And that's what happens. And there's a couple dude. people out there that I really don't want to say their name, but I see it happening to them. And I'm like, it's going to get bad. And I feel, I feel like I'm watching a horror flick and I see this person. They don't realize that there's a killer in the house and it's around the corner and you want to yell, stop, don't go there. But they won't listen to you and they fucking go there. By the way, I'm writing down two names I want to hear. I want to hear that. After we're done, I want to hear that name and I want to hear the person who put hands on you at the store. Okay. The, uh, but, but, uh, yeah, you gotta, uh, you gotta pay your bill. That is such a great, cause you know, here's the thing I, here's my, my issue with political correctness. Um, I, I tried to work this bit out in Tampa, but once again, I feel like it's like, I, I, I'm a headlining. I'm there New Year's Eve, Tampa Bay Improv. Are you really? I'm so excited, dude. It's a weird week. Yeah. Because I'm doing like Sunday night, which is New Year's, and then I'm doing two more days in a week before the weekend, and I'm out and there. I'm cool with that. I just love being in Tampa. Yeah. Like every time I go there, like, nah, I can move here. I wonder if, I wonder if Cowhead's in town that. But I know that, plan. you know what I got is FOMO. And like everywhere's great on the weekends. How are you going to deal with a Tuesday when nothing's going down? And you're just like, like oh, yeah, LA's like fuck, man. You can go out anywhere. There's something going on. Like I just, I'm helping start this new room in Hollywood where they want to do comedy all the time. 
because like you know my house is a store but you can't work on shit at the store stores like go in there I'm i mean if you're joe shit. rogan you could work on i'm shit. working on shit at the store and and trust me it fucks your head up sometimes well if you want a new place i'll tell you where this new one is okay. it's set it looks like a new york city comedy club where is it it's it's uh called the sycamore tavern it's upstairs and it's just like you go into this room you're like holy shit Wait, is your is your buddy doing this i'm working with him did trevor he, did he text me maybe if you know him did ari do it ari hasn't done it but a bunch of other people theo okay. vaughn loves it ian edwards loves where, where it. Is it it's like it's one block uh east of on la brea i mean uh on sunset from la brea it's upstairs dude i love when people open the door for the first time and they look in they're like holy shit okay yeah i'll do that let's do, I'll see if see if i can get a spot there so, dude yeah. you tell me when you want to go and either i could put you on a show or you could do a place where you can work out your hour and just like you could just have the room and we'll just work dude i'm trying yeah. to create a place listen i love comedy so much that i'm trying to create a room where people can go work out shit yeah i'd love to do that i'll, I'll okay now we have three things we want to talk about on this uh, what time do you have to do you have to get out of here at any time no no, no. i just got pushed this day these this tour i'm doing oh yeah 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 so well how much how much time have we done right now oh perfect we're good okay let's uh well let's talk about the tour you're doing you're doing it with eddie bravo uh, well i that's one tour i'm doing yeah. i'm setting up dates it's called tim Hat comedy it's with eddie bravo this cat named greg carwood if you love conspiracies eddie you bravo eddie bravo uh, was I did a show with him and I think Brendan Schaub was on it, and uh, and by the way, shout out to Brendan Schaub. His stand up's gotten so good. I know, but you know what I'm telling? I love Schaub. I'm doing a yeah. show tomorrow, and I'm gonna yell at him again. It's like he's trying to learn at the highest at the biggest shows it's like i yeah. go that's like trying to practice martial arts in the octagon you gotta go somewhere. Yeah, but he, I think that's his his brain is that like fucking go to the top. No, dude, I start get here. that, and he you deserves know? it because he's earned it. There's yeah. nothing, dude. I love Brandon Shaw. Yeah, yeah, love, yeah, yeah. I love Brian Callen. Dude, Brian Callen is the Bruce Springsteen of stand-up comedy. I was watching a Bruce Springsteen music video. I go, holy shit, they move exactly alike. Brian Can't Callen, Brian Callen makes me giggle. There's nobody better. He, I did this show at the comedy store. It was the greatest murder lineup I've ever put together, and Who I've learned, it? It, dude. It was, it was Felipe Esparza, uh -huh. Joe Rogan, yes. Russell Peters, yeah. Uh, uh, who else? Brian Callen, Brandon Schaub. There was one other murder. Oh, Chris D'Elia. I was gonna say it was D'Elia. Like murder row. Chris D'Elia did eight shows in Irvine, eight shows at the Irvine Improv, eight shows. Who's he? Joe Coy. Joe 4, does two 000. weeks. 4,000 people saw him perform he's, comedy. Dude, he's wonderful to yeah, watch. Yeah, he's, That guy's he's great. a wonderful comic to watch, man. He's just, he's got it, dude. Yeah, he's in the zone, Good man. looking dude with a giant fucking dick who can spit fucking game. Good yeah. for him. I, uh, but, but, um, oh, but, uh, Eddie but Bravo. Callen Eddie closed that show out. Like, Callen's he's the, the only one that could do it. He's the best. Uh, Eddie Bravo goes to get up on stage, and I was like, I'm dying to see Eddie Bravo do stand up. He goes on fucking alarmingly uh, stage confident, like a, like struts the stage like a comic and kills. And I and I'm sitting there going, how the fuck? He's like, I, I tried it like eight years ago. I'm going to try it again tonight. And he just goes up and just, and I'm like, whoa. And Brendan Schaub's like, yeah, you got to remember, he does teach 
jujitsu. So he talks in front of killers every day. Yeah. So like talking is not his fear. Yeah. And I went, oh, that's right. And he's and he's on Rogan all the time. Like he's got ideas. So I that would be a tour I'd definitely go. I'd go see. But oh, tell dude, me about I, the tell me about the tour you're doing now. Okay, so this one's called the Social Justice Warriors Tour. We're oh, like, what is the one it. name I that could be it. exact opposite of what we're it. doing? Right? So it's myself, Jim Florentine, oh Brody Stevens. Yeah. The three of us and Chad Zumach is fucking on the tour as well. Dude, wait, what where are you guys going? Okay. So uh we're doing a four four city tour okay. next week. It's San Antonio, December 14th at the Blind Tiger, which yeah. is this new comedy club that's opening. Then the following night we're in San Marcos, Friday, December 15th at Aqua Brew. And then the next night we're in Houston at Saturday, December 16th at the Seeker Group. And then we're closing finishing off Sunday night, December 17th, at the Cap City Comedy Club. Okay, so December starts it starts the next thursday next thursday and it goes to sunday and every night we're in a different room all right we'll put this back we'll put this out next wednesday Uh, perfect that'll be perfect all right cool um god jim florentine makes me laugh so fucking hard, dude and that voice is great and he's Uh, got this stuff about his kids that are really fucking funny he's he dude he's not only is he like not only is he a great comic, he's a really great guy. Yeah, dude, it's like he's this a weird really, East Coast really thing where you'd be like a little bit of... I don't know, man. He's such a nice guy. And he doesn't fear anything. He's a really good dude. You know who I wanted to talk to you about? Kira Stoitanovich. Do you know who she is? Yeah, of course. She's so funny. So me and Eddie Pepitone are having this conversation with her, and then you know, we'll wrap up, about... She, had this, she was telling us this funny stuff about her kid. Yeah. And like it was really dark, and we were laughing, and we're like, do you do any of that? She's like, no. I go, why not? She goes, because people don't want to hear that from a woman. And I want to know what your thoughts on that because she was telling me such funny shit, and it's like we ca- sometimes the last person to know what to talk about on stage is the person talking on stage. I I I have two jokes that I have to credit Rogan with because I just would never have done them. One is, and I and look, I you know you can say I, I owe my career to myself. I've worked really hard. But if Joe Rogan hadn't said, you need to tell that machine story on stage, I would have... Tom and I talked about this the other day. I would have never told it on stage. Had I never told it on stage... I remember you it, telling that on my fucking XM show. Do you yeah. remember doing that? Yeah. And and I would have never told it. I would have never told it on stage. I would have never told it on my special. Uh, it would have never gone viral and I would have never sold tickets. That That is... That is uh, Rogan's Midas, dude. He's, dude, nobody well, talks about. It's him. just he's just all he is is a guy with good intentions. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't have bad intentions for uh, younger comics. He wants the best for you. Yeah. Um. The other one he said was and and is he's done this to me twice. Is I did this joke. I didn't even I didn't even know it was a joke. But some guy we were doing that new material room and they were like, hey, what's uh uh. I go give me an give me a topic and they're like Anne Frank and then I go oh I used to think Anne Frank and Helen Keller were the same person and it gets a laugh and I go no I'm serious and I tell the bit and Joe Joe pulls me aside and he's like that better be in your act and I'm like no nah, it's not I, I literally was I would have never put it in my act so so I think comics are often the last person who knows what should go in their act yeah and so Kira probably is like no no one wants to hear that from me well no she doesn't know that. She doesn't know that. And by the way, she's right the first 10 times she tells it. Right, until you got to go through gotta, it. And, and, but, but like, Kira is a lot like me and you. And I think sometimes 
I will take a bit that I think has some body to it that's a little edgy, and I'll try it, and it'll go so poorly, I get I get pushed off from it right. for like a year. Yeah. And then it's like a year later, I'll be working on something else, it'll slide in, and I'm like, oh, but had I worked on that bit, and I think this is what separates us from like the fucking greats, had I just, like Bill will just be like, all right, we're talking about this, and he'll just do it every fucking night until he figures it out. I tell everybody, if you're a comic... The greatest thing you can do is watch Bill Burr work on new material. Dude, and he does not, he's not comfortable with the way we talk about him. And I don't talk to him like this about him. And I, I know he doesn't listen to my podcast, so he'll never hear this. But like, dude, the way his brain works, his ability to turn over material and his ability to think differently than anyone else in the room, to come at things from such a sideways is comparable to the only person I've ever seen do that similar is Patrice O'Neill. Patrice O'Neill had such an ability to take an angle you didn't see coming that it is almost impossible to like. I try to stay away from everyone's specials. I watch like I listen to your your right, yours. Right, right. Uh, I, that I'll, is something I I'll check I, out Ari's. I I'll watch. I, I haven't really watched any of Segura's, um, but like, but I. Patrice's it, it almost leaves an impression on you. Like if you spend too much time watching Brody, you start talking like Brody a little bit oh, on stage. Yeah. yeah. And you can't help it because he's just so different. You know, like so, like Ian Bag. You do a weekend with Ian Bag, and I promise you, you'll be talking like this. Yeah. Oh, hey, what do you want? Yeah. Fingers? What how many fingers, sister? You know, like you you just end up emulating it. Todd Glass, Todd Glass, Tosh. There's so many people that you can pick up their cadence. Tom, Tom, Tommy, uh, Tommy, uh, not Crabtree. Tommy Crabtree is my little brother in my, my fraternity. Um, Tommy Jonigan has a really great pacing. Nate Bargatze has got a really great pacing. Yeah, he's great. They've just got great cadence. They've got great personality. Their their personalities. Do you have great cadence? When 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 you like when you say things like uh you give me a gay black fat midget, he can torch them. Bro, like the way you talk is so authentic to you Thank that you. that I go that that I don't know what we were talking about. But yeah, I I can't watch I can't watch Burr right enough. Right, and he's not comfortable with it. No. But he he what I say is he goes through it. He he isn't afraid of silence on new material, and that's what the problem is with a lot of comedians. Is and then I got one more question before we end this thing. Sure, comics are afraid to fail. A lot of comics. You go to the store. That or is that or I would. Say, well, I'm not going to say it that much. I'm, I'm not. I can't say that. I can't say that. I can't say that. That's a, that's an, an that's a wrong indication. Because because let me tell you something. I saw I saw Eliza take chances the other night. I saw Nikki Glazer take chances. I saw Chris D'Elia take chances. Everyone in the OR right now is taking chances, and that's why I go up. You and have I go, to push it. I go. I'm going to tell this story. I know. That I, I said to the OR the other night. I said, I know you guys are a bad crowd. Jesselnick just told me that, but I'm. I've got to do this. That's and, so funny. Is that weird? How like a bunch of strangers can just come together and not talk about, but universally agree, we're not going to enjoy comedy tonight. <laughs> 
amazing. It's, it's got to be. It's got to be something in the cultural DNA, and like in our in us as animals, a pheromone is emitted where they're like, "Huh, failure. We're not gonna like this." So, so it's it's just it's like going to a. I talk about coming to a comedy club to get offended. It's like going to a strip bar, getting a lap dance, and playing defense the whole time. You know, I'm like not long. I'm saying not enjoying it. Fucking question yeah. the whole thing. It it doesn't make any sense yeah. and it's just weird when a crowd university now here's what happens sometimes at the comedy store because it is such an international destination yeah it really is mostly because of podcasting i mean like you're talking about we talk about it rogan talks about it. everybody who's talks about it man people show up sometimes it's like playing a hostel you ever play a hostel way back in the day where you're like oh. everybody's from a different country they have different cultures and different sensibilities that no one's on the same page yeah so you drop a joke and it some places don't laugh dude it is such it is very very uh diverse in that or sometimes brody fucking as you would say torch that room the other night he knows all the tricks Joey Diaz knows all the tricks. That room, like, you can't do road tricks in that room. No. But you can do OR tricks that if you sit around and watch a little while, and the key to the OR is being as in the moment as possible. You, it's uh, The second you start reciting material. If you do a monologue, you're dead, dog. You've got you've to be able. It is like doing a bad road room where you've got to go, all right, we're going to all do this together, and then everything I'm doing is in the moment. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I'm like, yep. I, I told this joke 10 years ago, but right now it fits into this moment. That's where we are. We'll take it out. That's my question for you. Shoot. I'm getting ready to shoot a special. Yeah. I had a really old spe uh, album like 10 years ago. Nobody's heard it. Yeah. Nobody's heard it. And then I had the Believe in Yourself. And there was a couple. And like, that did well. But, yeah. it, you know, it is what it is. What, what's your thought on bringing back jokes that really didn't get that developed on older stuff. Albums, not I think, specials. I know. I but think albums. I think. Uh, I think it's total game. In my opinion, uh, I, I'm debating whether or not to tell this story that I told on Ari's storytelling show in this special because I don't think that many people saw it. A million people saw it. 1.2 million people saw it, which is a lot. Which is probably all my fans. But the machine story, I thought. It had probably 6 million views online. And that's not to mention how many people heard it on Rogan. 6 million views online. And I was like, okay. It's definitely... But I was like, I got to tell it in my special. So I tell it in my special. And uh, and 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 then I was like, okay, now I've told it. But I'm gonna, I'll am gonna post it to Facebook. So I post it on Facebook. I mean, I don't know what the number is now. But I think total, all-encompassing, of all the people that have stolen it and reposted it from my special, it's around like 80 to 100 million. And that, all I'll say is, Daniel Tosh said this to me, and he might disagree with what both of us are saying right now, but Daniel Tosh said to me, just murder until you're famous. Just murder. So I would say, take all the weapons you have in your arsenal, and if you're going to shoot That's a special, use every fucking weapon. I don't care what comics think of my special. I don't care what any comic thinks and of my nobody special. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. If if someone now if if someone goes, uh, is that an old bit of yours? I go, yeah, but it's my special, and I'm, this is my best foot. I'm putting it forward. This next special I'm doing, I go. Part of me goes because uh, I ran it by Ari. I go. I know your answer, but what do you think about me doing flying dildos in my special? And by the way, hit me up right now. Put to put it on Twitter. 
just say uh, flying dildos yes or flying dildos no. Flying this dildos next yes to yeah. every day, all the time. Flying dildos is such a good story. And if I work on it, it'll be even better than what I showed in this special. And it's and it's and I, I don't own the material. Comedy Central theoretically owns it and i want to own my material yeah so i want to put it out so i can release it yeah i'm with you dude i've been thinking about there's a couple jokes i wanted to add add to these old bits that i you know this this great bit about apple store i have and all this shit that i i'm like fuck it i'm gonna fucking bring it back these old tags dude i if i were you this is my opinion i would put together the the strongest hour an hour and ten, whatever hour you right, have, right? And I'm present that, that. I'm because that. because I'm telling you right now, I'm being dead fucking serious. I wouldn't have a problem if you told the fucking basketball story because that story made me laugh my fucking dick off. That's where we met. And yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with you. Now, I think what it gets problematic is when uh, entities like Netflix own your special and or like I do the Showtime special yeah. and it gets seen then I go all right now I need to do the next one so that all those people that watch that right. watch the next one but if you've got some spe- some shit down the road that you haven't put out dude put it on your fucking special yeah if it's just been on the the audio album I, I you know the old school way was to do it put out album put out album and then someone goes you're good enough to do a special take the greatest of that shit and put out your special yeah. then it became this Louis CK thing where it's like a race to put out an hour every I, but you know I what he was doing you know what he was doing out the greatest he was no, i mean i hate to use louis as an example because i know it's such a hot button topic but let's be honest he is one of the greatest comics to do stand-up despite what he did off stage he was still like and you can say right. that because it i don't i mean it's like whatever he jacked off in front of some girls that said it was okay and uh, he grant he, he worked with them whatever it's not my fucking place to say here or there we're talking about a stand-up but my point is, once he did that first special, he started going back to his old joke books going like, I never put this on anything. Let's put this out. Yeah. I never, and dude, that is, sometimes you'll have a joke that just didn't go on anything. Right. And just fucking fits. Right. And you're like, and, and it's if it's on a fucking album, who gives a fuck? Dude, upgrade it. I was talking to Stanhope about taking my first album, Burp, 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 and redoing it and putting it redoing it and rewriting it <clears throat> take the bits that i have on there and then rewrite them now <clears throat> being the comic that i am and repunch them up because i just wrote them yeah, and then 100, left them. i think that'd be great i have a joke and by the way i'm now that i'm saying that i'm like i probably did that i probably did that a lot of those jokes on comfortably dumb i probably did all of those jokes on comfortably. i wonder if i i should listen to that burp burp bird album but yeah, do it, dude. Murder. Murder it. I think I'm going to, dude. So you're I'm a fucking throw it you're, out there. you're one of the few out there that is just a straight up killer on stage. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I needed that. I needed that. Dude, yeah. You are. And then, but that's not that's not up for debate. Right. So, I'm just not Elvis, dude. And that's what I don't that's why I asked you earlier, what am I doing wrong? I'm not Elvis. I, I just like you, Segura, Ari, Shab. You guys are Elvis. You guys I'm going to do a show at blah, blah, blah theater and it will be sold out in who knows how, how many minutes. I, no matter how hard I kill, and here's the weird thing with me. I'm, right mo- now I'm looking for a theater date. You mean like the Wilbur on February 3rd? Yeah. <laughs> Two shows? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, dude, I just like, here's my, I kill. When I kill, yeah. I'll get off stage and I'll be selling my merch. 
nobody will talk to me. I have what I'm considered that's, as that's, but that's nope. That's not. That has no reflection on how good you are. That has a reflection on. That is when I, I bombed a line around the door to meet me. It's the weirdest <laughs> fucking thing. <laughs> it's so funny because I used to sit and I'd murder at the Omaha Funny Bone, and I would watch people walk past the merch table. But man, when I had a mediocre set, they want to meet. And it greet was like they're, they're almost where they wanted to go. Like you trust me, we still think you're good. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what about when I kill? Fucks with my skull, dude. I, I uh, meet and greet lines make no sense to me. I don't know why people didn't like i remember one time in but Philly, then you'll go to the bar next to the thing you walk in they'll be like dude, dude like, i fucking you love just you just walk by me yeah, and didn't say anything well i think i think i i think i think you have to you have to you have to come i'm trying to get away from the word compartmentalize because i say it a lot but uh you have to try to figure out the type of person that wants to meet you is the type of person that wants to meet you is a legit fan i right. think the people that you I think a lot of those times when you when I would go to the Omaha Funny Bone, it would be a papered room, and the people that I would turn into fans in that room are the people that don't wait in lines. They're like, "Yeah, let's get out of here, go get a beer." Yeah. Or hey, uh, our sitters. No, that's it. D- Doug Benson said that he goes because yeah. your fans are too cool for school. They, they're your fans are not waiting in line until they're legit fans, and then they're like, "Dude, Tripoli's my boy." Like, yeah, I gotta. That's how I think it's right, but it does fuck my skull, and it does mess me up. That I'm very thankful for everything I have, but it's just like, what is this? That it's just like it doesn't translate into some. Because when I get in the room, I kill. Yeah. And then another thing is my fans don't like to buy tickets up front because they don't want to pay the ticket charge. Well, that's, so th- that's because our, our American club system is fucked up. They fucked up everything. I'll get a call from to be like, dude, you sold 30 tickets. I go, they're going to show up, dude. They always do. And yeah. then they sell. And I'm like, thank you for making me want to blow my fucking brains out. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of that like. Yeah, I don't know. I can't figure it out. It's There's a lot of under shit. under. I'm just I just considered I'm like going to be a, like a Tom Waits type guy. Dude, someone someone gave me the greatest compliment the other day, and they're like, "Man, like I I'd, I'd love to have your career." And I was like, I literally I, I was would like, "Love." No, but I but I said in my head, I'm like, "Hold on." This is what I was thinking real quick. I was like, "You'd love to have my career." Like you're telling me like you'd like to work the road for fucking a solid 15 years making never making more than like a couple grand a week and then get on a travel show that no no one ever watched for seven years and then get off it and be at the lowest part of your career and then start selling tickets that's what and and someone goes no 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 like a journeyman comic like someone who's always gonna fucking work and i went oh that's right and i was like wait i love my career like i i I learned how to do stand-up i learned how to do stand-up it took me 15 to almost 19 18 years to do it but i learned how to do it the way i do it and then when i finally got good at it people showed up and i was like comedy 23 years yeah. i just i feel like now i've mastered what i do i'm like, still cl- i'm still working on mastering it I, I i but but like i feel like i'm in my lane right now and i yeah. know what i'm trying to do you are and great. i know what i like you are great it's, i watching you is fun to watch dude 
I this has been Tripoli. Go see it's it's Tripoli. Jim Florentine, for those of you who don't know, is the person who ran the half marathon with me in St. Petersburg. Just showed up and fucking ran. No training. Drank beers How'd until four in the morning. Fucking great. I ran it in two hours and thirty six minutes, and I'm running like crazy now because I love of it. Running, dude. It was fun as fuck. Let's, I love to run. And then uh, and uh, it's it, and then Chad Zumach is. I've, if you've seen me in Houston or in Cleveland, not Cleveland, in a bunch of places, Chad Zumach was with me. They're fucking hilarious. It's the three of you guys? Yeah, it's four of us. And who's the fourth? Brody Stevens. Oh, my God. It's like a $20 ticket, man. Come get weird. Dude, go hit those up. I'll put a, I'll put a, a link. I'll put a link in the, in the description. Can we do that, Halston? And then I'll talk about it up front at the beginning of the podcast. Will you remind me of that, Halston? And then... Um, Dude, it's always great talking to you. Triple I, I do. I love you, you very much. I love you too, man. And I'm always thankful that you uh, you let me on your show and that you come do my shows. It means the world to me. Well, okay. I know the things we want to talk about. Uh, the guy that's yeah, yeah. The, the guy who's about the killing. And yeah. The, okay. All right. All right. Hey, thank you, Sam. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.